Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. then let's begin today's program shall we it is uh, one minute and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this the month of june in the year of our lord 2009 thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day we are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of rock 101 kufo in beautiful downtown portland oregon thank you for joining us today uh it is tuesday welcome to day 12 i have four words for you today those four words are Sid and Marty Croft. That's right. That's right. That is all ye know and all ye need know. Everything else today, including myself, uh, is an afterthought compared to Sid and Marty Croft. It's just, uh, it's better than the best thing that's ever been. That's how good that is. So later on today, Sid and Marty Croft, creators of the original Land of the Lost TV series, and who don't get along all that well, I think. I mean, if memory serves, Sid and Marty Croft don't really... I mean, they get along, but in that sort of uh, Randolph and Mortimer Duke sort of a way. Anyway, so that's uh, that's coming up today. The KUFO uh, sneak preview of Land of the Lost is happening tonight. And we'll talk to Sid and Marty Croft later on in today's show. It's all very exciting. Uh, Dawn Taylor from Cinematical will be here today. She wrote a great piece about Terminator Salvation that you can see at rickemerson.com. Uh, She'll join us today to talk about DVD releases, including... I can't tell... There's this whole sort of genre of films now and they all look like they're made for the sci-fi channel or sci-fi channel as they now call it It, it, but I'm really I'm unclear as to whether or not this latest film was actually made for sci-fi it's called Razor Tooth and it's about a badly animated eel that eats people here's the thing over the last 15 years I would say we've created this entire sort of section of the movie making world that is just dedicated to making terrible, terrible versions of Lake Placid over and over again. And I like it. And Lake Placid itself is just sort of like a knockoff of a bunch of bad Roger Corman, William Castle films. So anyway, so that's a whole, uh, it's become a cyclical thing, which is, uh, which is awesome. Let's see what else. Uh, Dax Holt will be joining us from TMZ.com today. And uh, we have Motley Crew tickets, a Crew Fest prize pack. Uh, today it's Crewfest, uh, a Crewfest DVD from last year's show, and fourth row seats to Crewfest Two at Clark County Amphitheater, part of KUFO Summer of Rock, uh, featuring Motley Crue, Godsmack, Drowning Pool, and Theory of a Dead Man. And so uh, today, fourth row, tomorrow third, and then all the way up to uh, Friday, when we're gonna have uh, front row seats to see Motley Crue as part of Crewfest Two. And I don't know what you're gonna have to do for uh, for Friday. I mean, today it, 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 it'll be something. Tomorrow, something else. And then for Friday, it's gonna be something sort of larger than life that you'll have to do. So oh, yeah, it's gonna have to be epic. Yeah, I mean, we can't. It, it's not gonna be like a like a, a caller ten thing. I mean, really, not even today because these are such great tickets. But especially for Friday, those are front row seats. But today, we have fourth row seats to Crewfest. Uh, too. So that's coming up uh, as well. Let's see. Let's just do a uh, brief overview here as we uh, plunge on in. Hey, Tim, do you have this thing about... Hold on a second. Do you have this thing about a uh, a lawmaker? I'll let you guess which party he might hail from. Um, having online chats with a teenage boy about sex while dressed in an animal costume? I do not know. Do you have this thing about Phil Spector going crazy in his cell and playing chess with a mouse? I do not know. 
The other thing about uh, Nancy Reagan seeing Ronald Reagan's ghost? Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. I'll stop there. Uh, hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Hello. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the story. Are you today. excited by what you've heard so far? Oh, boy, am I. I can't wait for today's show. And there are some you haven't heard yet that should keep you entertained. Really? Yes. Then I'll know the rest of the stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Me! Uh, okay. Anywho. Hey, so uh, yesterday you didn't go to your regular swimming pool. No, because... Uh, the pool that I usually go to, it was so destroyed from yesterday that they had to drain it and, like, clean it. And you mean from yesterday when you punched a child in the face? There was no You punching. threatened. You threatened to punch a child. I punched him with my words. On Sunday. You punched him You punched him inside where yes. no one can see the bruise. Well, thankfully, you know, since that pool was closed, there weren't uh, any small children there yesterday. All right. the, oh, this is the, the place you sent me the really photo of. Yeah, it's really cool. It looked like Melrose, the Melrose Place pool. Is that the photo? It's just like one of Heather's feet, your friend Heather's, like one of yeah. her feet and then the swimming pool in the background. It looks like a Spanish uh, villa, villa. It was so cool. Yeah, I mean, cause there are um, like three or four different pools of this apartment complex that she lives at. So the, the main one that we usually like, Stripper Soup, it was closed yesterday. So then we went to this other one um, which was really beautiful. It's just surrounded by you know all kinds of greenery and stuff and um, yeah, it was just a surreal experience. It was really cool. You ought to create a drink called Stripper Soup. Also, I had this great idea. Uh, if we were talking to Jim Roop today, which we're not, because um, CNN, do you ever notice that CNN, this is a little behind the curtain business, CNN occasionally has those correspondents talking about things that, I'm not saying they're not important issues, but they just seem sort of random. Especially when placed in the context of other things they're talking about. Like Jim Roop is, you know, it's like Conan and Jay Leno and the Octomom. Today, the rise of anti-Semitism. So, you don't know. I just, I think we're going to, we're going to gloss over that today, at least, at least inside this That's show. It's random. A, just, just seems like a thing I'm, just seems like a thing that we're probably not going to greet people with as soon as they wake up. Um, so, anyway, it, and, and, so, if, if we were going to be speaking with Jim Roop today, though, um, I would make the point that there really ought to be some sort of, wait for it, some sort of event that happens in fall based on, what's her name, Nadia Sulman, who shoved all the kids out? October. Like Rocktober, but it's October. Isn't that just October? Yes, I, yes, but it's all in the pronunciation. It's all in what syllables you accent. October. Whatever. Fine. It's funny to me. It was funny last night at was like eleven thirty when I couldn't. Yes, when I couldn't get to sleep. I couldn't sleep last night either. Yes, so it's going to be a great day because I we're slept all, well. You slept for all of us. Yes. Tim was sleeping for three. Well, you have that central air though, and that's yes. that's cheating. Having central air is a cheating way to get to sleep because it just knocks you out. It's like having. It's like being roofied. You just turn on that central air and just. And the next thing you know, you're just you're you just out like a light. So, all right, awesome. Uh, at the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everybody. It is 508. It's going to be another sunny day today in the 80s, cooling off a bit by Thursday. Our top story. The hell is that? Is that in my headphones or is that on the. Uh, I just computer? heard it. it. Sounds like a bad cart machine. That's a channel on the board. Is it? Did you just fade that out yourself? I, yeah, well. Because it was staticky? Yeah. Okay, so... Got a little coffee in there. I'm just trying to... Let's just stop for one moment. I'm trying to identify the pathology here. So the fading out was you because it sounded bad. The the sounding bad was the board. The sounding bad was the board. I was fading it down and then it cut out. 
Uh, sounds like a dirty, uh, sounds like a dirty pot or something. All right. Yeah. Uh, probably going to spray for dust bunnies. What you want to do is probably turn it off and then you want to take the slider and probably just ratchet the slide. But yeah, just let slider up and forth, uh, back and forth like a hundred times. All right. Technology. It's, it's good for carpal tunnel syndrome. Well, this is at least a hundred times. This is the Tiffany network. Uh, hello, Tim Riley. Hello. Uh, it's going to be cooling off by Thursday. Our top story. No, you can't have it your way. Bo Breedlove. A judge says he can't have the restraining order against the Oregonian reporter, who the pretty boy says is stalking him. And the judge says whether it's Tanya Harding, yes, who's in that category, and Monica Lewinsky, definitely in that category, or Elliot Spitzer, anybody else in the public eye is going to be contacted and contacted a lot. Get used to it, Bo Breedlove. Now go home. (laughs) Excellent. Well, this kind of seems discriminatory. That only chain restaurants in Oregon will have to post their calorie counts on menus, but that's exactly what's going to happen if the governor signs this bill. The law would only affect restaurants with 15 or more outlets nationwide and would go into effect on 2010. I thought they already had to post uh, their, their calories. No, they don't. Is that, is that true? Mm. That's odd. Why do they have to post calories on food that's in cans or whatever, but not if you go to a restaurant? I thought if, I thought if they had the—I thought that's why McDonald's did it. I mean, because they, I mean, uh, or maybe not. Well, McDonald's maybe. does it for a good PR. They, and, and they have booklets saying we serve healthy food here. So I'm, so, but it's not like a requirement that you have no. to, to tell. So like, if, I, well, I guess not now that I think about it, because I can't remember the last time I went to a restaurant I saw it posted somewhere. But, but, but the bad thing about this law is it only affects chain restaurants. So why should they be discriminated against and not the Monpar restaurants? Yeah, right. It doesn't make any sense at all, especially because it's not like it's that hard to quantify because everything that goes into a meal at a restaurant came out of a can that had to be labeled. It's not like they can't figure it out. Right. Yeah, that makes no sense at all. Then uh, water main bursts in St. Helens, leaving half the town's people without water happened around 10 o'clock last night in front of the Best Western. Oh, this is kind of mean, but people are cruel anyway. A Burian Washington woman is behind bars for allegedly... Stealing somebody's dog and selling it online. To make matters worse, she called the dog's owner telling them that the dog was injured and euthanized. Well, the owner smelled a rat, called several of the vets around who never saw the dog. Then the owner called the cops and right. busted the woman. And did they uh, find the woman? Did she resist? Did she have to be beaten savagely? No, I mean, that'd be too I, I bad. She went along peacefully. That'd be unfortunate if she resisted and they had to, uh, you know, they had to take her, take her down to the pavement, as they say. Nope. Right. Well, maybe next time. So this uh, Air France flight is still missing. The NTSB director, Peter Goles, says the plane may have broken apart at 40,000 feet, if you can imagine There that. was no mayday call by the crew, uh, and it's off radar all of a sudden. This is a very tough one, and I think it's going to take a long time, if ever, that we're going to figure out what happened. Sorry. So they said... It wasn't lightning. Planes are hit by lightning virtually every day. They're designed to dissipate the charge. Uh, sometimes there, there are problems with their electronic systems, but nothing catastrophic. There's a new uh, rap video out by the young conservatives. It's become an internet sensation. It hasn't become an internet sensation. That's, That's what it lie. says here. That's some crap that somebody is passing along that we are dutifully reporting as a fact, which it's not. This is the Young Con Anthem. I don't know anything about it, but I know it's a lie. Anytime something is reported to you as having been an internet sensation or being an internet sensation, that's never true. Internet sensations don't have to announce themselves as such. And please tell me that you're making this whole thing up and there aren't conservatives rapping about anything at all. These are two suit-wearing. Not that everybody who wears a suit is a conservative. These are college-age kids. Ugh. 
rapping about what they hold as the true values of a conservative. Please don't play this. Please, please. I'll give you anything. I'll give you. I'll give you all the money in my pocket I'll, if you don't play this. I'll play two seconds of it. I got a message from a young. <laughs> oh, I want more. As long as audio quality is job one. Jesus, where are you playing this from? Uh, my machine. But I mean, is this like a? But is this off YouTube or is this like a, a, a an isolated soundbite? I bite? believe this is a YouTube. Is this from Metro? Yes, it is. Can you? Okay, well, just play a little bit more then, I guess, because I'm I'm intrigued by the idea that it can't be. I got a message from a young cop. Superman, that socialism, war, that terrorism. I can feel the role that's inherently mine. Teaching politics through my rap and my rhyme. Okay. Off this track with the question in it says here it's had more than 115,000 views on it. Whoa, more than 115,000? I know, it makes you hate them, doesn't it? That's staggering. But, but uh, isn't that thing with, like, the dramatic squirrel or whatever that stupid video was? where You know what I'm talking about? That, that YouTube thing where it's like, the, what is it, like a squirrel or a woodchuck or something? And he sort of looks dramatically at the camera. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? No. Mm-hmm. It's in the way, because Weezer parodies it, and they, they mention in the video, for, in that Pork and Beans video, they show it. Uh, it's what, what is it? It's like it's some animal, and it's like it's like a hamster or whatever. But it's one of those things that became really popular online, and it's like somebody's pet. That and you know how sometimes animals look they have like they have facial expressions, mm. and it's somebody caught like a hamster or whatever looking at the video camera, and it for all the world it looks as though it's arching an eyebrow and looking at you real seriously, and it's kind of hilarious and wow. And it was so much so that South Park parodied it in that in that episode where they had the top ten internet uh, things that get destroyed or whatever, and then Weezer put it in the Pork and Beans video, and that thing had like nine million views. Uh, whoever these guys are, I'm not impressed by their 115,000 uh, views of this. And also, you think if they were conservatives and presumably capitalists, they could afford a better microphone so that I could understand what the hell they were rapping about. On that note, do you have? Did I mention the thing about the guy, the lawmaker, and the animal suit and the hey hey, let's yes. get together and have sex? Yes, please read it. Do you have this thing about Michael Jackson's nose falling off? No, is that a new story? Oh, it's going to be the... Is it ever? It's going to be the best day ever. All right. All right. Sid and Marty Croft, creators of Land of the Lost, uh, coming up later on. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, Crew Fest 2 tickets, and more of Tim Riley straight ahead. It's The Rick Emerson Show. This is ACDC and TNT. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with Tim Riley. I have irritable bowels. Please let me pee. Call 503-228-4101. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. It's uh, 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. And uh, I saw part of the Conan uh, show last night. I only I only saw like a, a little bit of it. And so there was that whole bit where he... Tim, did you watch the Conan thing last night? His uh, foray into late nights? I did not watch it, but I watched clips of it. There was just there was that opening where he's sort of running across uh, uh, the entire country. I gotta say that set of his is really cool looking. I mean, it's sort of a variation on the classic Tonight Show set, which is where there's the cityscape uh, behind him. But they did have that great acknowledgement because he moved the show from New York to L.A. to do it. And there was that uh, that little moment where he's he's kind of sitting there. He's in New York. And the camera sort of pans to show just this this great, beautiful New York City skyline. And he's looking down at his to-do list and, like, move to Los Angeles is, like, the dead effing last thing on the list. Um, anyway, and so, but, boy, how great is Andy Richter, though? Just, you know, I, 
that is just and I, I I'm sort of unclear as to why Andy Richter left in the first place years ago. I mean, I guess maybe they maybe they discussed it last night and I missed it, or maybe they talked about it at the time. But Andy Richter, who had been sort of his original sidekick, sort of his Ed McMahon, had left after I think just a couple of seasons in, and then he did Andy Richter controls the universe, and he did something else. He did a whole bunch of great things that got canceled, basically. And now he's come back uh, uh, to the uh, you know to, to Conan O'Brien show, and then Max Weinberg is there, and it was just uh, it was actually it was really really great. So so congratulations, Conan. Well done. At the news desk, this is your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 524, another sunny day on the way. Highs once again in the 80s, cooling off a bit by Thursday. Only 18 of Oregon's 80 franchise GM dealers have received notices that they're being phased out by 2010. Most are keeping it quiet publicly, except for Carl Lotz and Corvallis and Ben. One that'll stay in business, as far as you know, is Portland's Wentworth Chevrolet. They've been in business since 1903 and will remain so. And they say business has been good. By the way, the auto industry provides more than 7,000 jobs statewide. So do we ever figure out why they're closing so many dealerships, especially because it doesn't seem like... I'm, I'm just unclear as to how that costs the auto manufacturers themselves more money, since presumably it's just like a franchise where you're just buying the logo and the name and the association, mm-hmm. and you're either stocking the cars or not, and they're either selling or not. It's like, I don't understand why. I mean, clearly it does, but I don't understand exactly how how it costs, like, let's say, General Motors money to have more dealerships open. I mean, how much, I mean, it's done, I don't know what kind of overhead that could possibly cost. This is, I don't really understand most things about this. Well, Nick Cheney said this whole thing's a bad idea anyway. The government's going to get into the business of bailing out all the big corporations that get into trouble. Uh, and you end up committing a huge resource to try to keep somebody like General Motors alive when, in fact, the right answer might be and that they go through the, uh, the Chapter 11 process. Was it, did we all take some vote uh, and allow Dick Cheney to extend his time in the limelight? No, no, we have a lot from Dick Cheney today. Did you see that thing about uh, he was talking about gay marriage today? It's the weird. It's like opposite day or something because he, he made some statement about, well, I think uh, gay marriage ought to be legal. And I sort of. You kind of do like a, I, I, sort of looking at the screen, trying to figure out uh, who today, it is that's Dick speaking. Dick Cheney, you remember him? Ah. Dick Cheney. <laughs> anyway, Dick Cheney said today he supports gay marriage. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, but I wouldn't know anything. I'm a jerk. <laughs> he said, I don't. I think he only supports gay marriage because he sees marriage as a form of torture. But anyway, he supports it. Okay, that's funny. All right, well done. No, he, he actually said that. Freedom means freedom for everyone. And uh, uh, even my and daughter. You no, know, uh, one of my daughters is gay and um, something that uh, that uh, we've lived with for a long time in, in our family. Um, I think people ought to be free to enter into any kind of union they wish, uh, any kind of, of arrangement they wish. The question of whether or not there ought to be a federal statute that governs this um, uh, I don't support. Uh, I do believe that uh, historically the way marriage has been regulated is at the state level. This has always been a state issue. And um, I think that's the way it ought to be handled today. It's well, Dick Cheney's world. Well, you're sort of grading on a curve with that guy because by Dick Cheney's standards, the, by Dick Cheney's standards, that's, uh, that is, uh, that's coming a long way for that guy. It's all, uh, it's all relative. Crime is down in Portland, up in Eugene, if the latest FBI stats are to be taken seriously. Portland did have 26 murders last year. That's four more than 2007, but the rest of the crimes went down. Eugene's numbers of all types of crimes are going through the roof. 
Salem did have some more murders, burglaries, but fewer auto thefts. Bad idea. A five-day furlough for Portland's teachers. They would slash $18 million from the troubled budget, but what can you do about that? So here's something that's another bad idea. If you live in Los Angeles to turn in your gun, really, seriously, if you lived through the riots, you remember you needed that gun. Well, their, uh, their sheriff there, Lee Baca, announced the results of the eight-week countywide gifts for guns program. Now, if you turn in a gun, you got a gift certificate from Ralph's. <laughs> Seems so like you it, have a it, gun, you it, probably don't it, need a gift certificate. Is it worth it to put your life in danger for some Pringles? <laughs> well, During this period, we received a total of 3,853 guns. These weapons that have been turned in will never be used in any future acts of violence or to intimidate an innocent victim. Here's so these gangsters <laughs> who kill people turned in their guns and, and are, are turning over a new leaf to get a gift certificate from Ralph's. Uh, don't you just assume that the gang? Look, it, this is just my speculation, but don't don't you just figure that either a that's like a gun that they just found somewhere, you know, like they were sort of, you know, like they were going to the video store and somebody left it on the counter and they said, well, I guess I'll take this with me. Um, B. That's like a spare gun that maybe they keep, uh, you know, like in the first aid kit at home or something. It's the one they keep under the sofa cushion. Oh, they keep it in the, in the medicine cabinet. Yeah, right. It's a backup gun. Yeah. It's a traveling gun. Um, or C, they just took their gun, robbed somebody else of their firearm, and then took it to Ralph so they could get some hot dogs or something on a discount. And if you have a gun, it seems like you don't need a discount. You could probably get all the food from Ralph's you want. Not that you should burgle. I'm just saying. I mean, it's just my speculation. Well, the sheriff said the supermarket gift cards are very popular. Ironically, supermarket gift cards were the most popular. A telling sign of these most difficult times. You know, during the riots, you didn't need a supermarket gift card to get things. I think it was in Los Angeles. It wasn't because they do this sort of thing every couple of years where uh, they'll get, and it's always for the photo op. It's just so a guy can stand behind a table covered with guns. We are crime free. The right. crime wave is over. In Los Angeles, which is, I mean, we're really, it's just as packed with more lowlifes and thugs and hooligans and miscreants than almost anywhere else on earth. Um, and he'll stand behind a table that has, like, 17 guns on it, and he'll go, that's it, crime is over. That's exactly what of he's doing. those, 110 were assault weapons. 1,735 were handguns, 1,400 were rifles, and 608 were shotguns. Meanwhile, there's a here again. 900 million more firearms on the street in Los Angeles. I think it was two years ago. Literally, that some guy turned in a grenade launcher. Like a guy came, to, which that see that aspect of this. That's what makes the whole thing worthwhile. Is just so you can get that uh, moment every now and again, where some guy uh, will sort of uh, walk up to like a save-on store and say, uh, "I'm looking for the gun swap," and they'll say, "That's right here, sir." Okay, hold on a second. He'll well, like a belt-fed M60, like off the back of his truck, and just set it down. And go, okay, where where can I get my scratch-offs? So you know that's uh, that's worth the price of mission right there. Foolishness, I tell you. Yes. A Connecticut family is lucky to be alive, and they have a bride to thank as she rescued the family on her way home from her wedding reception. Georgette Clemens of Bridgeport was still in her wedding gown when she saw flames shooting out of the house and stopped to help. She went to the house, yelled to everyone to get out. Her heroics worked, and lives were saved. Her dress is blackened. Her shoes are messed up. But she tells the Post, what are you going to do? Do you ever see things written down, like notes you've made to yourself, and you've written them down, you've circled them, and you don't understand why? I've written down Trevor. Trevor. 
Why did we talk about a guy named Trevor yesterday? Did we discuss a guy named Trevor? We may have. It's a common name. You know what? I think that he was the winner yesterday. Oh, that's the guy that won the Crew Fest ticket. Mm. Ah, well remembered, Sarah Dillon. Okay, yeah, I was just looking at my notes here. Here's because I uh, I was in uh, preparing some uh, audio. By preparing, I mean getting it and then giving it to Greg so he could do the actual work. But I was preparing some stuff today, and I and I haven't really transferred over all the things from yesterday's show matrix. Here's some of the things I've got written down. Uh, Matador, that's the Matador video, uh, which you can still see at rickemerson.com, which is fantastic. Tanya Harding, I have down Gauntlet. I don't know why I wrote down Gauntlet. Below that I have Montage. Oh, it's not Gauntlet, it's Grunted. It's that grunt, it's the tennis grunt. All right, uh, that's what that is. I have here Watching Laundromat. I have no idea what that means. And then I've circled it three times. Watching Laundromat, circled three times, and then there's an arrow pointing to something that's been blackened out. Well, that's frustrating. I think the thing I blackened out probably explains it all. Oh, that's frustrating. It's like a roast Probably not, or else you wouldn't have blackened it out. I guess. It just makes... Hey, did we ever book that OCD guest? The guy that's doing the the TV series on OCD? Maybe? I don't know. I forwarded that to you, but I can't remember if we did it or not. Oh. Depends if that was pre or post-nap. There's a... Well, I sent it to you on Friday. There's a a guy who's going to be launching a show about OCD, which is a thing in which we have sort of a vested interest. Um... And I used two preposition theorems. Sorry about that. Uh, watching Laundromat. I have no idea. And then I wrote down plush. Oh, because we were having this whole discussion about the Stone Temple Pilot song plush yesterday. Is it plush? What is it? Is it plush that is the line about something about the dogs beginning to smell her? What the hell is that about? Why would dogs be starting to smell somebody? I mean, unless you've got like a really, really like serious funk or perhaps you're like being strip searched at, at, at an airline or something. I thought it was about like a dead person or something. But see, but, but you just go to that, but, but maybe that's... They can't all just be about dead people because isn't that on the same record that just isn't the first uh, song on that album that's Stone Temple Pilots? Isn't it, isn't that the song that's just called Dead and Bloated? Yeah, that's a that, that was you know the oh, night, is that the I am smelling like a rose. That's yeah, that's you know that's an off-putting song. Can I tell you that? It's like it's not like I have any particular problem with Stone Temple Pilots, but that's that's just imagery. I don't need in my head in the morning. Really, I just uh, the '90s were a time of awkward song titles, especially with those guys. Like they had that song, just they had that song that was just called Plastic Tupperware, I think, and then they and that was right around the time they put out a song called with the the, the flies and the Vaseline song. The the '90s had this whole thing for just uh, there was just a whole predilection for putting out album titles and song titles that just had kind of an ick uh, factor. Anyway, uh, the best well, one being Stink Fist. Stink Fist, seriously, for the love of Ew. Christ, find a better name for your song. Jesus, God Almighty. All right, straight ahead, we have uh, more news from Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, later on, we will have Crew Fest 2 tickets, fourth row seats uh, today. We'll talk to Don Taylor from Cinematical, Dax Holt from TMZ, and Sid and Marty Croft, creators of the original Land of the Lost. Oh, we come back. Maybe we'll get we'll do this story. This is uh, fantastic. I'm just going to read this. This is from the Pittsburgh Channel.com, which is, uh, the, the, which is from Harrisburg, uh, Pennsylvania. Shocked and appalled, staffer accused of seeking sex in animal costume. There you go. And there's a, and there's a photograph that accompanies this, so we'll talk about that when we get back. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101, KUF. Oh, here's cake. Call 503-228-4101. I'm going to inhale some blueberry jasmine smoke and look arty. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 and KUFO. All right, this sounds like a kooky, uh, like a setup for some bad 
like prepared comedy, but it's not. I swear to God, this is well. It's real. When I say this is real, it was published in a British newspaper. So I mean, your mileage may vary, but but I guess, and this does make sense. I guess in the LA County Jail, I guess you're allowed to have if you're in it because it's just a country club there. I guess you're allowed to have uh, a laptop. And so Phil Spector is, of course, using what social networking service to communicate with the outside world, Sarah? Twitter. That's right. <laughs> so I have uh, here Phil Spector's uh, Twitter uh, uploads or entries or really? whatever, and I'm not making it up. Is so he going to is... give every detail about his daily activities from prison? Yes, yes, he is. Um, and so I, I have, I don't know, I've highlighted like the like the three or four best, and by best I mean uh, craziest. So we'll get to those here in just a few. It's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. Coming up later on, Cena Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will talk about the General Motors fire sale, which is apparently underway as we speak. Oh, and I saw it finally because the thing I've been wondering just the, 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 for the longest time is where Michael Moore has been on this whole thing. Oh, he did uh, put out a letter. I have it here somewhere. Was it the thing where he just said like "adios"? Let me look. Well, it's it's extensive. We'll get to it. All right. All right. I just saw the headline on Drudge that he had finally made some statement about it because I he, he left it in the other room. I'll find it. He kind of built his whole career on that company. So, all right. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. So, closing even, 18 of Oregon's 80 franchise GM dealers who got their letters saying it'll happen are going to force 950 people into the unemployment line. Now, fortunately, Portland's Ron Tonkin Chevrolet is not on the chopping block. Neither is Wentworth Chevrolet Subaru. There are 18 dealers involved here. We know for sure uh, two of them are in Corvallis and Bend. The auto industry provides more than 7,000 jobs statewide. Sarah, would you like to stand out in the scorching heat for nothing today and not be paid? Well, it's another day of shooting for the Harrison Ford Brandon Fraser movie. It's set today for Oaks Park. They're going to be filming out there all day. Okay, but you know where they were filming yesterday? Where? I found out about this after the fact. I shouldn't say who told us this. Uh, it was a, uh, a long-time devoted listener of ours. I won't identify who this person is uh, because I don't, I don't want anybody to, uh, to sort of get in, the, get in Dutch, as they say. But yesterday, and I didn't find out about this until after the show because it was I didn't bring my laptop in with me, and it was my email was acting a little wonky and whatever. Um, so yesterday they were shooting up on the hill. They were shooting at uh, the VA hospital. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and, and I don't know if that was everybody, if that was like Harrison Ford and Brendan Fraser and whoever, but I know that they were shooting at the Veterans Administration Hospital, which is up right next to OHSU. Uh, so I it, it, maybe that's continuing if that was like a one-day thing. But today it's at Oaks Park. Yeah. That's awesome. And Bradley Carca is actually going to be in it today. Really? He, yeah, he got a bit part as uh, playing Brendan Fraser's driver. You know, it makes me a bad Portlander that I've never been to Oaks Park. I mean, I kind of—I d- never have either. Oh, it's creepy. I've it's really cool. It. I've heard that it's that it's. I mean, you know, it's obviously it's op- operational and functional and safe and whatnot. But it is. But it. But it's from. But it is from an earlier time. So I think it does have a certain threadbare charm to it. Uh, from what I've been told, my wife goes there. You know, she and she and you know friends have gone there for whatever. I hope it's not like times, the episode but... from the Twilight Zone when the boy falls underneath the ride and gets its le- his leg stuck. Do you remember that episode? Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. No, you're thinking. With the horses? You're and thinking... he gets his legs stuck underneath and they have to stop the ride? Oh. That scares uh, me even today. You're... You can fall off and get your legs stuck underneath. Would you Would you like to know how big of a dork I am, Tim? How big? You're thinking of the episode Time Enough at Last starring Martin Balsam. Mm-hmm. About his whole, everyone has a hometown. And maybe, let's see, hold on, hold on. The episode, the episode that you're thinking of, the Twilight Zone episode, this is the original series that aired from 1961 to Everyone's got a hometown mind is Binghamton. (laughs) Don't tell me you have that cut. I do. No, no, no. I don't have the actual cut, but I used to have large sections of the closing narration committed to memory because I'm a retard. Um, And it was very moving. 
It was and, a great... It, and, and scary. It was moving and petri... I still remember seeing it as oh, a child. What did I, I just called it Time Enough at Last. It's not Time Enough at Last. That's the birds... It's, it's walking distance. That's the name of the yes. episode. Time Enough at Last. Here's why I just said Time Enough at Last, because that's the one I always reference, because that's the one with Burgess Meredith and the bank vault. So yeah. hold off on your snarky Twitter things or whatever. I'm correcting myself. It's the episode is Walking Distance with Martin Balsam, and it's where the guy has the harried suburban uh, man in the gray flannel suit existence. It's his childhood. <laughs> That's right. And he stops for gas, and he walks, uh, you know, he's near his hometown, and then when he walks into his hometown to sort of check out, you know, where he used to grow up, he finds that suddenly, bum it's 30 years previously. And there's a band playing in the gazebo or in the bandstand or whatever the thing is in the park. Yeah. It's scary. That's a, but but it, see, it's not that scary, though. It's a, You're remembering that episode incorrectly. It's a, it's very it's a poignant episode. It, it is. But when the boy gets his foot stuck underneath the ride. See, that's the right. thing. And so when he walks into his home, this is like a half of 1% conversation. But you know what? Everybody can just uh, yeah. everybody can just bite it because that's, uh, that's what we do here but every now and again. Through it. Well, you know, here's the, the, you know, Tim, if the Twilight Zone doesn't have mass appeal, then I don't know what does. But the thing about that episode is when he walks into his hometown, he doesn't have a limp. But then he catches his foot uh, on the uh, ride because he startles himself as a young boy. Kid falls off the merry-go-round or whatever the hell it is. And then when he walks back out, he has the limp. And there's that thing where his dad says, maybe there's only one summer to a customer. That's why after seeing that, I would never get on the merry-go-round again. Really? Because there are amusement parks just like that where I grew up <laughs> with those old-timey rides with the scary-looking horses. <laughs> where it's all And where everything is in an advanced state of creaking disrepair. It's like, mm-hmm. welcome to Tetanus World. All right. That's fantastic. What were we talking about? Oh, we're talking about the movie. I don't know, but I'm apparently 140 years old because I was just reciting a dialogue from a Twilight Zone episode that had aired 15 years before I was even born. Well, so. you're an old soul. Yes, it's true. That's too. the way it goes. So we're talking about this uh, movie being filmed, and the best part of it is they want you to stand out in the heat and uh, pass out because nobody's getting paid today. That's right. Nobody's getting paid. Now, I thought they had to. I thought if you were an extra, you had to get paid. Or maybe do you not get paid if you're an extra? No, not necessarily. That's that's one of the great benefits to working in Oregon. We don't have tight labor laws here. So, <laughs> and by benefits, you mean <laughs> not so much. Yeah. Not not so much if you're not a star. The stars get paid no matter what. Now, do extras a... ever get paid? Yes, they do. Right. Mostly. Mm. But there's there's no law even saying that you're there unless you fill out a time slip. So, I mean, there are numerous Projects and movies filming here all the time where people don't get paid. They can, well, it's just my hobby. And right. for the most part, you know, filming here is somebody's hobby. It's it's not a professional. I mean, things can be popular here but not seen outside. In this case, this is going to be uh, filmed here but seen outside of Portland. And they can still say, we're not going to pay you. So they're not going to. In your face. So if you want to go to Oaks Park and be an extra today, you're not going to be paid. Stand out in the heat and pass out. And please, no <laughs> screaming babies. That's the only rule. Now, if you're just a regular uh, garden variety extra, do you, do you still have access to craft services? Oh, yes. Everybody does. Well, see, here's the, the I mean, you would think that craft services table would just be ransacked by the end of the day. Or is it? Let me ask you this. Tim, How I, tasty is this going to be out in the heat today? <laughs> would you like to? I'd, uh... How about some of this salad? <laughs> I was just going to say, could you give me some more of this mayonnaise in an aluminum bowl? That would be awesome. Um, the, I will, uh, I'll take some more of this pork. So I've never worked on, a, on an actual uh, movie set of any kind. The only craft services I've ever had was on my own films, which means that it was financed by me, which means that it was like $9 worth of food. And I told everybody when that was gone, that was gone. Was we, we, did, we did shoot a promo for the show a long time ago in those craft services. That time we were outside that... Uh, that place when we all get out of the car, and then we went inside. 
Oh, when we shot the listener part, the promo for Listener Party at the Eleven yes. at the Crystal, was there craft services? Yes, there was. There was real food there. Oh, that's right Almost in the green room. I remember that. Mm. There was the grin. Then there was that scene where I shoved all the bacon into my mouth. That one. Oh, that was fantastic. Those were good times. Um, anything with bacon. Boy, that's a, those are times worth remembering. So let me ask you this, though. I, so I've never actually worked on a real uh, on a real film production or a real TV uh, set. So if you're kind. non-union, you get paid one fee. And then if you're non, if you are union, you get paid more. And you get better food. So, that, well, that was going to be my question. So when you, the craft services table is a thing of endless fascination to me because I know that that is the standard by which many people sort of judge, you know, that's how a lot of people judge the, you know, like their, their experience filming something. Like, oh, and the craft services was exemplary. Do they just constantly replenish the craft services table all day or is there yeah. like a finite amount of when it's gone, it's gone? No, those people are there all day. Really? Just like the rest of the crew. They'll be there 12 hours. They, get, they have like a minivan full of food. All it's right. all full of things that are unhealthy for you. Fantastic. They'll be gone in five minutes and they'll replenish the supply. So... If, if uh, you want to be uh, really used today... And everybody and, does. And stand out in the heat because you have nothing better to do. Go over to Oaks Park and be an extra in this movie. That's entitled The Unentitled Crowley Project. You can bet Harrison Ford and Brandon Fraser aren't doing this for nothing, but you are. <laughs> Sign me up, please. I'd like to be exploited. So that's that. Let's talk about uh, Nancy Reagan, shall we? Uh, she says she still sees the ghost of her husband and that President Barack Obama snubbed her earlier this year. She uh, did an interview with Vanity Fair. She said Obama missed an opportunity when she wasn't invited to a March ceremony where Obama said he'd allow comprehensive stem cell research and that the commander-in-chief later apologized for the oversight. Uh, I probably would have gone, but you know, I don't like to travel, so maybe he knew that. And uh, Mrs. Reagan, she's 87 years old. She is a well-known stem cell advocate. Uh, politically, it would have been a good thing for him to do. Well, nobody's perfect, she says. Uh, also, uh, she spoke from her Bel Air home, and she said she still catches glimpses of Ronald Reagan's ghost in the hallways, and that time hasn't healed the wounds of five years since its death. I still miss Ronnie a lot. People say it gets better. It does not. And so she was, uh, wait a minute, so she was, uh, um, so she was snubbed by Barack Obama how? Well, he, she wasn't invited to, uh, travel for the, the speech. However, it says here it's well known that she doesn't like to travel. So, well, and also, I mean, isn't let's just, let's just ask what everybody's thinking. Is it entirely possible that she's just crazy and hallucinated the whole thing? Sure. All right. I mean, she's eighty-seven. I mean, and also she's Nancy Reagan. So, mm -hmm. all right, let's do uh, one more here, and then we'll get uh, caught up around the corner. All right. Well, let's uh, do this. Should we do this uh, animal story right now? Um, or yeah, save it? Let's save that one I'm because it's this a, it's, it's fascinating for a special occasion. So you're gonna have to listen later. Uh, let's do a Jackson Watch instead. Here's your Jackson Watch uh, for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Show. I just picked this up randomly. I think this is uh, done in the one sixteenth font. Yeah, it's. So I'll, uh, I'll try to make it. It's not a large uh, print. Well, Michael Jackson is allegedly in constant fear of dying and is terrified his nose will fall <laughs> off. Close friends of the star, apparently he has them, said the singer is in a fragile state after being diagnosed with skin cancer. This, according to the Herald Sun, Australia's biggest selling daily newspaper. Michael has become convinced that his nose is falling off. Said a friend. The doctors have reassured him that it won't. 
but Michael believes that the skin cancer will kill him and lives in constant fear of dying. His chances are excellent, but he's very afraid. Now, Michael Jackson is a half century old. See, that doesn't even seem possible. That seems like a thing that can't possibly be true. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's uh, th- And the idea, by the way, that he's afraid of his nose falling off is a thing that I shouldn't find that's funny. amazing. But, but see, he doesn't have very much else to think about on a daily basis. <laughs> he just walks around, the, my nose is going to fall off, my nose is going to fall off, my that- nose is going to fall off. <laughs> I mean, for at least eight hours before he takes a nap. That's his to-do list every day. It's just pages and pages and pages of, like, worry about nose falling off. The end. Repeat. All right, there you go. There's your Jackson watch, ladies and gentlemen, for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Show. Let me see if the fates are on my side here as we go into this, uh, as we go into this. Places in the laughter of the people and the places of his past. And perhaps across his mind there'll flit a little errant wish that a man might not have to become old. Never outgrow the parks and the merry-go-rounds of his youth. And he'll smile then too because he'll know it is just an errant wish. Some wisp of memory not too important really. Some laughing ghosts that cross a man's mind that are a part of the Twilight Zone. There you go. So that's not the whole thing, but that is part of the closing narration for that episode. Let's hear it for the Internet, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Well done, Internet. All right. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Straight ahead, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum talks about General Motors. Uh, We'll have this uh, awful-slash-great-slash-hilarious-slash-terrifying story of this lawmaker in this animal costume trying to get it on with a younger person. Here's the offspring. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Water, a message from the Regional Water Providers Consortium. ConserveH2O.org. KUFO Portland. Put your hose away. Do it now! It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's Monday morning. You just burn yourself? What is your... Don't take this the wrong way, Sarah. You're having a bad morning. You look <laughs> like you're so about nine years old right now. Cold. It is freezing in here. And I know that they're fixing the problem, so I don't want to complain, but I am frozen solid. Then I have my glasses on. Uh, maybe it's just cold on that side of the room. Well, the air conditioner's right here, and it's angled at me. Oh, well, that is... Oh, there you go. Well, that's the air vent. Yeah. Hey, that is angled. That's pointing right at you. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's great. Well, okay. I wonder why it was much warmer over here. It's because I'm not anywhere near the air vent. I know. You're all tropical over there in your T-shirt, and I'm wearing three sweatshirts. Over here, it's kind of humid on this side of the room. I keep (laughs) expecting for, like, dragonflies to start buzzing around me. And then you've got... uh, like your regular shirt and your hoodie, and then the hood is up, and then then you're sort of clenching yourself. And I'm wearing I'm wearing two hoodies. You know what you look like? It, really? Oh so yeah. You've got a shirt, two hoodies, and then your hood is actually up. You know you know what you're doing right now? You're starting to do that. You've kind of got your arms in front of you for body warmth. And I'm sort of seeing this is like when they show the timeline of Neanderthal, you know, man, sort of like becoming modern man. 
I can, as the show has gone on this morning, you've sort of started to like, like pull yourself closer and closer in to try to stay warm. And eventually you're going to be like that guy they found in the Andes where he's all like bent over and he's got an arrow in his head. No, I'm so miserable. This is my punishment because all I wanted to be was cold last night when I was sleeping because it was so hot in my apartment that now I get here and it's Now, wait a minute. Now you got it, but somebody gave you an air conditioner. Yeah, but I can't put it in my window by myself. But I did kind of. (laughs) Let me just back up for a second. Is this an air conditioner that belongs to you? Yes. But it's not, though. It's not. Well, my friend, that somebody no, my gave, this. gave it to me. Right. That's what I'm saying. So how did you get this air conditioner? My, um, my friend gave it to me. Like, I he, know, wanted, he how... wanted central air. He had central air. He just moved in with his lady friend. So he brought it over to my house. I'm okay. trying to, but I'm trying to lead you down a specific path here. How is it that he knew you needed an air conditioner? Because I wrote about it on Facebook. What did you say on Facebook? What was the actual entry? What did it say? Does anyone want me to babysit their air conditioner for the summer? I am Sarah Dillon. Please give me an air conditioner for the summer because I don't own one and don't wish to buy one. Please. I did, truth be told, I did own one, but I left it. Um, I forgot it when I moved out of that house that I lived in with. You forgot dudes. it? How did yeah. you forget an air conditioner? That's like forgetting a baby. Because I was so grateful to not have to be living with the roommates I was living with anymore that I just like bailed as quickly. It's like running. Could. It's like when you move. It's like when you would have like a bust up with somebody uh, when you were younger and you just you know. You, it's like you realize later that they have, uh, you know, that they have your Almond Brothers box set, and you're like, I just don't care. That was it. Keep I, it. I cut my losses. I'm like, you know what? That sucks about the air conditioner, but that does suck. I can see that's the difference between you and me. I couldn't. It doesn't matter what I had to get. If I had to, if I had to fight my way uh, through tripwires and punji sticks to get myself back to the air conditioner and take it with me, I would. So, anyway, my point is this: you obtained for the summer at least this air conditioner by putting up a Facebook page. Which really just, in essence, said, like, come on, please, give me an air conditioner, somebody. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like you could put up a Facebook post and it said, come on, please, come install this thing for me? Because all it really requires is for you to put it in the window. I put it in the window and then figure out how to, like, patch up the side of the window. You just, uh, did the air conditioner, does it have little um, plasticky accordion-like things? No. Okay, well, then, here's all you need to do. Uh, you just take the air conditioner, you set it in the window, and you can go to, like, the hardware store, and for, like, ten bucks, you buy yourself a little some pieces of insulation. Put it up there. And then does your window slide down? It yeah, it's, it's up and down. And then you just buy. Uh, it, it, it sounds like a lot of work, but it's really not. You just buy a couple pieces of insulation, and then you figure out like how how much window is going to be left, and you just buy a couple wooden um, you know wooden dowels. You stick in there so that they can't w- open the window from the outside. Okay, then you're good to go. That sounds easy. Anyone I, could do it. It really it, well. I mean, and by anyone could do it, I mean you could just place a, a Facebook thing and just get some poor sap to come do it for you. Just get some uh, just get some idiot man to come well, do since it. Since I was so hot in my room last night, and I didn't you know I wasn't able to put on the air conditioner, I decided to. Because my bathroom door is across from my bedroom, and then my bathroom door has a window in it, so I decided to open the window in my bathroom, bring a chair out from my living room, and stick the air conditioner on the chair, but have the back, of, <laughs> but have the back of the air conditioner going really? into the bathroom. Was that was that before you went for a dip in the cement pond? <laughs> that is fantastic. It actually worked though, because the hot air went into the bathroom and out the window. But I mean, where was the air conditioner? So the air conditioner was just this is so great. I have to, I'm sorry, I have to sit down. Before we do anything else, Tim, because otherwise I'm just going to talk for the, about this for like half an hour. What uh, headlines are we following today? Well, this piece of breaking news, debris possibly from that Air France plane has been found in the Atlantic Ocean along the path that the missing airliner was flying. Apparently some seats have been found. Mm. The voice of mission control for the uh, Apollo missions and Gemini missions has passed away. Houston, we have a problem? Uh, I'm not sure if the same guy. Is Paul that the guy Haney. that does the, um, that yes. guy? Uh-huh. He was 80 years uh-huh. old. You know, I'm fascinated by guys like that, whose voices you know, or that you've seen threaded through a million pieces of news footage, but you just don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
otherwise, uh, Canby firefighters have rescued two dogs and cruel, a uh, cruel teenager snatched a senior citizen's purse and was caught and was piled upon until the police got there. Really? Yes. Excellent. All right. I like it when people are piled upon when they have it coming. Even when they don't have it coming, really, uh, as long as there's video footage. So uh, let's back up for a minute. So back to Sarah's bathroom. So uh, Back to Sarah's bathroom. <laughs> and now your first, your first installment, Sarah's bathroom, will arrive next week. So, and this is all true. So in, in, so in your apartment, so it's hot. You've got this window air conditioner that you have. <laughs> Sorry, hold on. I was thinking of a funny, um, mm-hmm. of a funny haiku mm-hmm. that I heard yesterday. So you've got a w- window air conditioner that's under the window. It was really hot, which I understand. So you go into the bathroom. You you put the you put the air conditioner on a chair, and the chair is just in the middle of your bathroom on the floor. No, the chair is in the doorway of my bathroom. In the doorway. So like, so you walk into my room, like in the side door, and then like, here's my bed, and my bed is facing my bathroom door. I don't think I used the bathroom when I was at your place that one time, so I don't think I even really know where that is. Okay, well, the door is like directly across from my bed. Uh, oh, okay, okay, I do know where that is. Yeah. Okay, so then, so, so you, this is the doorway of the bathroom. You just put a chair there, and then you put the air conditioner facing the bed. Yes, yeah, so I set the air conditioner on the chair with the back of the air conditioner going into the bathroom. Yeah. Here's, uh, did it work? It worked, yeah. Here's why you probably don't want to do that on an ongoing basis. Did we ever figure out if you pay your own utilities? No, I don't pay them. Oh, well, that's less of an issue. No. Uh, unless you're a landlord. And they just increased my rent like $150, so We've... I'm going to be running that bitch all summer long. <laughs> So. Even even during the winter, you should during the winter you should run the heater and the air conditioner at the same time and have like a face off, <laughs> have like some sort of a death match to see which one wins. Um, so, uh, but the reason you don't want to do that on an ongoing basis is that air conditioners uh, pull the moisture out of the air, and then it uh, and then it, it, it sprays the water out the back of the air conditioner. Yeah, there was some water on my floor. This yeah, morning. so over time that's going to become quite a lot of water, and your floor will probably ride out from underneath you, and then you'll fall to your doom. So you don't want to do that. I mean, not that you care about fixing the floor, but you probably care about your floor not being covered with mold and fungus. Um, that would be kind of awkward to fall through my floor. What you could do is, I say enabling your trashiness, here's what you could do, though. You could move the air conditioner further. You could either put a pan, pan underneath it, <laughs> or you're awesome, or you could back up the uh, the chair so the back of the air conditioner is like over the bathtub, if that works. I don't know how your bathroom's laid out, but if that works. Otherwise, you could just put a pan underneath it, or a tray oh, of some kind. I think I have a pan. Of course you do. Uh, you can do that later when the, the ceiling dripping begins, when the rainy season comes. And you can go find yourself a, a mess of crawdads. Well, I was so hot last night. I'm laying there. I'm like, oh, I didn't put in the damn air conditioner. I'm like, what can I do? How can yeah, I make just, this Yeah, just, I hate to be this guy. Just find some man to come do that for you. Because, you know, what with the upper body strength and all. No, I'm, I'm not too proud to ask. That's, no, I wouldn't be. Yeah. Hell, you know, I, uh. No, plus I, I'm just lazy. I'm sure I could figure it out, but. Yeah, I have. Uh, you convince somebody to do it for me. Don't even get me started on, on uh, not too proud. Uh, remind me when we have, I don't have time to talk about it now. Remind me to tell you what, the, the, about the latest adventure with our, with our truck. Uh, the truck that Laura and I have. Did you get it stolen again? No. I kind of. I it hasn't been to, stolen in a long time. No, I was about yeah, to. Yeah, it's been like a, over a year. I was about well, to crime say crime has yeah. gone down in Portland. I was about to say that I I wish they'd steal it again, but you know if I say that, then it's gonna. Please don't steal my truck. Please, please don't steal my truck. Um, my truck is starting to go uh, a little bit belly up though. But I, I don't have to talk about it now. All right, uh, coming up later on, we have Sid and Marty Croft, creators of the original Land of the Lost. Straight ahead, we have uh, Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. So I guess. So they found a buyer for Hummer. I just heard uh, yes. Steve reporting that actually they somewhere have. else. So they just found a buyer uh, for Hummer. So we'll talk about that. And I Who'd feel want it really. I have no idea. 
I and I have Phil Spector's uh, the uh, Twitter updates from prison, and I'm not making it up. It's not like I am a resisting thing. going on. To, I'm not going to, but I'm. I, it's taking everything in me to resist that. I do have those. Don't forget, KUFO Summer of Rock continues at Clark County Fair. Uh, that is at August 10th. Stain, Shine Down, Chevelle, and Hailstorm. That is at the, the Amphitheater at Clark County, part of the Clark, uh, Clark County Fair. Tickets on sale now at all Ticketmaster outlets and at KUFO.com. Stand by for more details on that. This is Shine Down. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. What? Man, Sarah oh and her Dylans. On Rock 101, KUFO. It never begins. Uh, there we go. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. In mere moments, Steve Kastenbaum from CNN Radio New York with uh, an update on the General Motors uh, situation. I guess so they found somebody to buy the Hummer company, inexplicably. Tim Riley, what headlines are we uh, following today? Well, Oregon's chain restaurants might have to post calorie counts on their menu if this new law goes through. A five-day furlough for Portland teachers is a bad idea, and they found some wreckage in the path of that down French airliner. Oh, and uh, denied. Bo Breedlove is laughed out of court. Trying to get a stocking order against an Oregonian reporter. Bo Breedlove told to, uh, well, never mind. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, CNN radio correspondent to the star, Steve Kastenbaum. Good morning, sir. How are you? Pretty good. How's it going? It's going uh, splendidly. So I just uh, I just heard your voice on uh, what we will refer to as a, another radio station just now uh, talking about. So I guess they they, they found um, it was our sister station. I was walking by and there was a, a guy's voice and he said, what? Sarah's giving me a look. Steve was on there? Yeah, well, it was just on, on 970 just now. I was walking by and there was that top of the hour thing. And it and it said um, no 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 it was on that no, was on nine seventy, um, and it, but there was a, you know seeing a radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum had this to say and so you but it was just you now reporting that they've got a, a buyer for the Hummer company right yeah apparently there's never been a better time to buy an automobile brand because uh, they're selling them uh, at uh, bargain basement prices I guess. everything must go everything must go want to buy Pontiac it's yours. It's, uh, at these at these prices, Steve, you can't afford not to buy. The more you buy, the more you save. GM's prices are so low, they're giving brands away. So how much? So who bought this? I mean, who says to themselves, "Wait a minute, that thing gets nine miles to the gallon, and also it's off-putting, and when you drive it, people hate you." <laughs> I can't wait to buy that. Who is it that is the purchaser of this fine company? It's not clear. Uh, we had Ray Young, the chief financial officer of General Motors, on CNN earlier today, and he said, "We're actually very, very pleased." Uh, with this arrangement, because we will be able to continue the Hummer brand with this purchaser. But he did not say who the purchaser is yet. They're not going to reveal that or how much the purchaser is paying yet. But he did say it means they'll still build Hummers in the U.S., securing about 3,000 jobs when you factor in all the service centers and, and dealerships and that sort of thing. Excellent. So the uh, we, we were talking about the uh, dealerships that are kind of, kind of closed all around the country, and of course, you know, here in Oregon. I have a question, and this is a little bit uh, somewhat off topic, but all of these dealerships are getting closed down, and so clearly there's, uh, you know, there's a dollars and cents reason for that. There always is. But what I can't 
quite put my uh, put my head around is what the cost to say General Motors is for all of these dealerships. When when you think about it, I mean, these, it's more or less like a franchise, right? Where the dealership is basically they're paying for the logo and the name and the affiliation, and there's some overhead. But I mean, it's like the cars are going to exist one way or the other. Whether or not they sell them is like a separate question. But why why does it seem like there's such a huge cost associated with having what is essentially just a franchise for your brand? Because it's not just the the the, the you know the sales room, the, the service center portion of the business uh, that uh, a lot of those costs go back to General Motors because of the warranties and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of costs associated with the service centers maintaining the relationship with each individual service center. So if they close down a few, and um, you know, let's say within driving distance of your home. There is three Chevy dealerships, and GM might say, well, why do we have that? Uh, why are we maintaining three dealerships within a 10-mile radius when uh, we could have just two and then cut down our costs with the service centers in those locations? All right. Well, but, but, okay, but look, I hate to be uh, Johnny Obvious, but if you have three dealerships and the cost is like the warranty and the service center and you know, the amount of uh, you know, man hours you're having to put in to fix stuff, if you close down two of those dealerships but you have the same amount of people with cars, aren't you going to just increase the time? at the? In other words, isn't it going to be the cost the same? Well, not really because you're still managing just uh, relations with one facility as opposed to three. So, you know, each one of those relationships costs the company a certain amount of money every year. So if they cut some of them out, they're saving some cash. All right. And it says here, this is the uh, this is the, the phrase that CNN has used to, to describe this. For the next 60 to 90 days, General Motors executives will break down the company and build it back up again. First of all, it seems like the company's already broken. I don't know that a lot of additional uh, crushing of the company is really required at this point. That seems a bit like overkill. And then the building it back up again to a smaller, leaner operation. And smaller and leaner just means there's going to be firing people left and right. That's kind of what that means, right? I like that you read that because I wrote that intro. Yeah. I mean, that's when they say is smaller and leaner. That's like when a company says, we're going to be faster and more efficient. That just means firings. Pretty much. It means we're going to shrink the company. Yeah, they're they're going to get rid of 20,000 employees, 14 plants and warehouses, and another three plants, production lines, assembly lines, will be idled, will be put on standby, as they say. So those workers will be furloughed. You know, look, you know, when they're, when they're selling uh, 40, 50, uh, 50% fewer cars in the U.S., they can't keep all those people employed at the plants. General Motors tried, and that's one of the reasons why they, they got into trouble, because, you know, they, they tried to maintain this reputation of being generous motors to its employees and with the union, and you know, they, they sort of do take pride in the fact that, uh, you know, the whole communities uh, live or die uh, based on how the, the assembly plant in, in that community is doing. So that's a, that was a point of pride for General Motors. So they really didn't want to do away with them as the market forces changed. And that's one of many reasons why they got into trouble. So they, they've finally said, look, you know, we can't do this anymore. We have to close down some plants. Well, I think the observation really has to be made at this point that it's not like sections of uh, Michigan, for example, were really flourishing to begin with. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like you went to, I mean, everybody kind of picks on Flint, but it's not like you thought, that, by God, that's a model of prosperity. That's the way that this country ought to operate. It does sort of prompt the question, I, I mean, how much worse could things possibly get in certain sections of that state? I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine 
how much it's going to sort of shake the foundations of that place to have you know General Motors just be sacking even more people. I mean, it's just it's like insult to injury to insult to injury to insult to insult to injury. You're right. They get a lot of negative press when they when they close down a factory, even if they have to do it for for their fiscal well being. They take a ton of heat and. You know, is that warranted? I, you know, it's up to the individual to, to to figure that out for themselves if it's deserving or not. But I remember when uh, when the Ford plant in I think it's uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey, where they used to make uh, some Ford pickup trucks closed down, and people were you know incensed that all these layoffs were taking place and that people who worked at the factory for you know a decade or two decades were losing their jobs. When, uh, you know, if you're a free market uh, person, uh, you say, well, hey, those are the forces of, right. of the market. If the, if the people aren't buying the trucks like they used to, they can't justify keeping you employed. All right. On that grim note, ladies and gentlemen, uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, we will uh, talk to you in the immediate future, sir. Thank you. So long. All right, there you go. That is Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, he is employed by CNN Radio, which is headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. And their headquarters is the former home of the Sid and Marty Croft Supercenter. That was the indoor uh, uh, theme park, actually the world's first indoor theme park. We're going to be talking to Sid and Marty Croft later on the day. They're the creators of the original Land of the Lost. Uh, that's coming up. Also, Don Taylor from Cinematical and Dax Holt from TMZ.com. Uh, Tim Riley is straight ahead with the news. Oh, and we'll do... Um, I want to have something very special that you're going to be pleased to hear. Really? Mm-hmm. Is it? Will I be pleased to hear because it's something bad happening to an enemy of ours? No. Something oh, good. It's a happy thing. Good happening to somebody I know. Or well, you, well, you don't know them personally. You know of them. Is it a? Is it a piece of sound spoken by a celebrity? No. Is, is it, it sound? sound at all? No. Is it a news story about something good happening to a person we like? Yes. All right. Excellent. That's straight ahead and. Uh, Phil Spector's uh, notes from prison. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Here's Green Day. Broadcasting from the greatest city of... Effing thing sucks! Effing! We'll do it live! Oh, well, all right, whatever. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Maybe you're having whatever the reverse of a hot flash is. You're having some sort of a... Having uh, reverse menopause? It's because you're extra fertile. Ew. That's like the meanest thing you could ever say. Yes, it is. All right. In your face. And, I don't know, somewhere else. In your... I was going to say in your ovary, but that doesn't make any sense. In your ovary! And that just sounds wrong. It really does. Uh, yes. Let's forget we had this whole conversation. Yes. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Tuesday morning. It is Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. Uh, coming up later on, Don Taylor from Cinematical will be here to uh, review one movie. I, here's the, the two things. I know that one of the things she's reviewing is Razor Tooth or Teeth or Shark. What is it? Is it Razor Tooth, Greg? Is that what it's called? He, I mean, you were, let me just play just a little bit of audio here. Let's see if I can get uh, this is just a small segment of the audio for Razor Tooth. Let's see. We hatched a specimen in the lab. It grew to six feet in the first two months. What does that mean? It's like 12 feet or more? <laughs> well done. Are you kidding me? And the thing, and it, when they Some say. Some reviews the best movies. And when they say hatched a specimen, they mean uh, drew really poorly and like, uh, like a Commodore Amiga and then released onto the screen. So, uh, Don will be talking about Razor Tooth, uh, which is a new uh, movie. Uh, I know this will astound you. It's on DVD. Uh, and then something with Kenneth Branagh to sort of balance that up. 
Plus, Sid and Marty Croft, creators of the original uh, Land of the Lost, we'll be talking to them later, and a pair of tickets to Crew Fest 2. Uh, we'll be giving those away today and then tomorrow, third row, second row, and then front row tickets uh, on Friday, all part of KUFO Summer of Rock. At the news desk, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 641, another sunny day on the way. Highs of the 80s, cooling off a bit by Thursday. Our top story, no go bow. A judge says Bo Breedlove cannot have a restraining order against an Oregonian reporter who the pretty boy claims is stalking him. Now, whether it's, the judge says this, whether it's Tanya Harding, Monica Lewinsky, or Elliot Spitzer, any one of the public guy is going to be contacted, and contacted a lot. Get used to it, young man. Boy, the interesting part is how the judge immediately goes for the Tanya Harding, Monica Lewinsky thing. You know what's uh -huh. funny is I was watching Gossip Girl yesterday, and there was a Tanya Harding reference. Really? Yeah. Maybe we're in the middle of a Tanya renaissance. I think so. It's about time. Well, it's because, you I know. I when she was sloping back up. It's because uh, I think this is the 15th anniversary of when the whacking happened. And also she was on Oprah. And once you, I mean, when you're on the Oprah show like that, and, and it wasn't in, and it wasn't like she was on Oprah to sort of be upbraided. Because it's kind of a, a a yearly observance like the eruption of Mount St. Helens, isn't it? It's exactly. It's the whack heard around the world, Tim. But it was, and when she was on the Oprah show, it was different because she didn't, and this must have been part of the ground rules they negotiated, like how, what's her name, like Oprah couldn't mention, I don't, no, I don't even remember her name. Whoever the woman is that's having John Edwards' love, love child, that woman, the, the other, the woman who's not Mrs. Edwards, like she wasn't allowed to use her name when Oprah interviewed Elizabeth Edwards. She couldn't say the name of the oh, woman the out woman, loud. Yeah. Um, she had to say, now the other woman, like she couldn't say like Janice, Janice the whore or whatever her name is. Um, so I think Tanya Harding must have negotiated these ground rules with Oprah where it wasn't on the set in front of the audience. It was like pre-taped at some other place where there were no people there. Because I have to say, when I met her on Friday, she was not sure her eyes were down. She wasn't looking at anybody. Like, she was very, like, head down, like, not wanting to be recognized by anybody. Well, and that's, I mean... You know, good luck with that, sister. I mean, I would suggest moving somewhere else. And also, and that's why I didn't get a picture because I don't. If you can tell someone's trying to avoid you, and she's hey, can I scary. take your photograph with you? Next thing you know, you're going to be picking up your teeth. Yeah. And also, it, look, and I'm not saying that there's anything. Uh, I'm not saying that she was trying to cover anything up. I'm really not. I'm just uh, only Tanya Harding knows the truth of her various statements. But she did make some observations during the Oprah show that perhaps to the casual observer might seem a little difficult to believe. And I think that's part of the other reason why she didn't want a studio audience, because she didn't want to say, like, I had no idea I was dating a nutcase. And then everybody in the audience kind of goes, oh, boo, because mm -hmm. no one believes it. What was my point? Uh, Tanya Harding. So I think, so she's been on Oprah in sort of a non-judgmental way, because it was understanding Oprah that, that she talked to. And so I think that may be why she was referenced on Gossip Girl. I think maybe she's coming back into the limelight. Tim? So anyway... Uh, Bo Breedlove, well, he had the ladies swooning in the courtroom wearing a tight white form-fitting shirt and sporting a movie star tan. You know, that's not the way to impress the judge, by the way. It's like you're going off to... Bo's uh... just too good looking for his own good. Well, that's... But you can... But isn't it great that the judge... I mean, look, we had Bo Breedlove on the show. Oh, and he was a beatdown. Seemed... He seemed like a nice young man, but... He was. I went out, yeah, yes, I went out and had cocktails with him. He's a nice boy. It is interesting that the judge said Tanya Harding and Monica Lewinsky and you as the... They're not in that order. No. <laughs> No, as though the as though the judge himself was uh, trying to remind everybody of where the celebrity pecking order lies. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, personality is bad enough, so it's a good thing that this rotten kid got caught. He was stealing senior citizens' purses at a bowling bowling a bowling <laughs> <laughs> a bowling alley. Army, <laughs> I mean, young man, where's the bowling alley? I've got all these fish. 
So he was stealing this at a place where people bowl in Hillsborough and got caught in the act. A pack of angry bowlers chased him down, piled up on top of him, and then the cops arrived. So here's the story I, I promised you earlier. I hope you haven't heard this yet. So this is, where did this take place? Hollywood. Right. Hollywood. Am I waiting on a piece of audio? No. Okay. Uh, Winona Ryder explains in a new interview that the hush-hush is over. They are going to make a sequel to Heather. Oh! Come on! And the most exciting tidbit of all, Christian Slater is back. Oh, kill me. Oh, sweet Lord. I wish I was dead. Didn't this make your day? No. <laughs> the saddest Listen to that evil cackle, you, you bastard. This is, I made you. I made you wait. <laughs> I made you wait. I made you. I made you wait. Richard K. Emerson, don't make me made you wait no more for this. <laughs> get that air conditioner off that stool. All right, we got to get there to the boning center. The saddest interview I ever read with Christian Slater came out like a year ago when he confessed that he never fell out of love with Winona Ryder. Really. And also, I can't really act. And I have an enormous forehead. <laughs> and I only got this one hairstyle, and I stole everything else from Jack Nicholson. So, they're ma- uh, uh, why did you say that with such uh, unrepentant glee? What? I'm trying to make you more and more excited. That's a lie. That's a lie, and you know it's a lie. That's the thing is it's not even, it's not even a well-concealed lie. You're not happy about that. You're not happy they're making a sequel to Heather's, are you? I'm very unhappy about it. So why would they be? Does it? Uh, please tell me there are details. Is there some sort no, of a synopsis? All, nope, nope, nope. Okay. That's it. I'm going to choose to believe that this is not true until it's proven otherwise. And uh, also this. Until I see, I mean, really, until I see a release date, until I see the movie, uh, you know, showing in the theater, I'm going to choose to believe that this is Winona Ryder whose career has been on a bit of a downslide lately. She was just in... No, no, no. She was just in Star Trek. Don't see. I knew you were going to say, but it doesn't count because nobody knows it's her. She was so distracting, though, in Star... I knew it was her. She was so distracting because... Oh, and it snows all the time now. Exactly. Old lady from Edward Scissorhands. That's all I could think. And, like, does it count as casting you if we can't tell it's you? No. I mean, if I can't tell that it's... Let's just play this in the background a little bit. Thank you. I mean, if you're being cast in such a way that you are all but unrecognizable. Like, it doesn't count as you doing anything. But I didn't think she was that unrecognizable. I mean, I I knew it right away. See, I don't think I ever would have known if they hadn't said, like, and Winona Ryder. Oh, see, I had no idea she was going to be in the movie. And I said, what the hell is Winona Ryder doing in this? I mean, I guess I only recognized her because of the voice, because she does the old woman Edward Scissorhands, and that never used to snow here. And now it does snow. (laughs) You're much better at that than I am. Well done. (laughs) Um, But... Well, let's leave aside the issue of Star Trek, because I don't think that counts. But uh, I think it's a one-off. But it, it's, look, let me ask you this. What was the last hit movie when Honor Rider was in before Star Trek? I know. I'm trying to think of it. Anyone? I don't know. <laughs> Greg Nibbler, last hit movie she was in? All right. I'll tell you what. We'll do this. Uh, it's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Not that I care that much about this, but I just... But I you mean, know you do. I'm just saying, uh, like, if you if you happen to know... Well, Greg's got something he put. Really? That's his guess. Greg has typed a guess up on the screen. I don't even. Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you right now. I never saw that film. Okay, I'll wait and reveal the title. I remember this is uh, this isn't a really recent one, but I remember the dying one, like November, sweet November, one sweet. You know that was like 12 years ago. (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. Or is that something else? No, you're thinking that's Angelina Jolie. No, no, there are two dying ones coming out at the same time. Her and Keanu Reeves. No, I've only got six months to live. Tumor the size of a grapefruit. Let's no, hump. Winona Ryder was the free spirit who was humping Richard Gere. Uh, she came into his life and then dies. Whatever. 
Spoiler. Anyway, here's the lol. Maybe not lol. Um, anywho, so I'm gonna until it is proven otherwise. I'm gonna choose to believe that she is trying to make this happen by saying it's going to happen. You know what I mean? Because sometimes stars will do that, like Scott Schwartz, who starred in the Toy, which is the, the movie that we have discussed at length on this show. Um, he for the longest time tried to make the Toy Two happen just by saying it was going to happen, and how Joe McCarthy used to occasionally hold up this briefcase that only held a bottle of booze. Scott Schwartz would hold up this folder, and he'd go, in here I got a copy of the toy, too. It's a really good script. Richard Pryor's agreed to be in it, and that doesn't really work anymore. And everybody in the movie is dead except for him, and also there really was no script. Uh, All right, well, let's just take some of these on screen, shall we? Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, Who might this be? This is Kelly. Hello, Kelly. How are you today? I'm good. All right. Last good, last Winona writer film of note, not counting the Star Trek film. Uh, Alien Resurrection. See, I thought Alien Resurrection too, which, by the way, is an is an uh, uh, an overlooked and underrated film, not nearly as bad as people would have you believe. Alien Resurrection's a fine film. Yeah. That, however, I mean, Jesus, that was still over a decade ago because it was when I was living in Utah. Well, it's the last good movie that she was in that I remember. Yeah, I can't remember anything since then that she's done that was of note or good, except for a series of mugshots. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Kelly. No problem. Uh, Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who might this be? Hello there. It is me. Yes, it is, sir. I'm very sorry. Uh, um, Winona Renner doesn't have any hit movies. (laughs) She did Mermaids, and that was about it. Well, that's not true. She did Mermaids, and then she did... How to Make an American Quilt? Uh, No, she did Mermaids. She did Heather. She was in Beetlejuice, by the way. Okay, then I think you're gone. gone. That's it. No, nothing past Beetlejuice and uh, Edward Scissorhands. And I have a comment for you, Rick. When are you going to use your Xbox 360 Live account, man? Yeah, oh, this Rick. is the... I'm, Come on, don't make me kill you. Sons of... Okay. Uh, <laughs> sons of bitches. Well, here's the thing. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have uh, the, my regular gamer tag that I use, and then I created this one that is just Rick Emerson, and that's just the gamer tag, because I wanted that way I could go online, and if there was the people who listened to the show or knew me from the show, that, you know, the, you know I could, we could, we could uh, get our game on, as they say. And it was right about that time, that, you know, that's kind of we were making the transition to mornings, and I just, we just got it sounded so busy, I just really haven't... This sounds like such an American problem. I haven't had time to play video games. It's tragic. Um, but I got to start... But I got to do it, because here's the thing. That new survival pack for Left 4 Dead has that lighthouse level, which I got to practice on, because I went to the tournament, because I'm a retard. I went to the tournament at Game, Guardian Games this weekend, and I got schooled. So I got to be playing the lighthouse. And then, sir, I don't know if you've seen this. If you go to rickemerson.com, there is a teaser poster and a trailer for Left 4 Dead 2. So it's coming out in November already. Yeah, so they're they're quick at Valve. They're turning it around. So no, no. This week I'm gonna make it a I'm gonna make it a goal. I'm gonna put it in my and put it in my plan my planner, and I'm gonna make a note to it to, to get online. So that'll be this week, sir. And really quick, yeah. This is Eric from Clackamas about the weird note about the cheese with that corn thing. It was just a bunch of damn kids apparently. So. Oh, excellent. I'm gonna see. I've been I'm kind of low grade wondering about that. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Later, right. bud. There you go. Uh, does the next button not work? You know, this one I don't is know. very confusing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson <laughs> Show. Uh, who might this be? Hi, this is Mike. Hello. Uh, last good one on a runner movie. Oh, well, I, I won't say that it was good, but I think it might have been a hit. She was in a uh, Adam Sandler movie a few years back called Mr. Deeds. That's the one that Nibbler went oh. to, Mr. Deeds, which I'm confusing with little Nicky. What was Mr. Deeds? Mr. Deeds was, uh, I believe, he be, he was a poor man who became a rich man, and then oh. hilarity ensues. Oh, yeah, and like she tries to get all of his money from him or something. <laughs> it always ensues. Hilarity, when is hilarity doing anything? Are there any other verbs that hilarity is ever executing? It's just the ensuing and following sometimes, but mostly ensuing. All right. Thank you, sir. 
You're welcome. All right, uh, do like two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Uh, last good one on a Rider movie. Uh, yeah, this is Gavin. Hello, sir. Hi. Uh, yeah, I was also going to go with Mr. Deeds, which is um, Wyona Ryder playing a reporter that's after uh, the, the big story on Adam Sandler, who's like the heir to a billionaire. All right, excellent. Okay, yeah, I got it, Mr. Deeds. Thank you, my friend. No problem. Bye. All right, there you go. Shiny, a slang term for great used in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. All right, uh, final call about this. Last good one on a uh, on writer film. Hello, it's Rachel. Uh, hello, hi, hey. How are you? I'm adorable. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm close. All right, then. Uh, very close. Um, I really want to talk about Girl Interrupted. Sarah? The movie, no, I, I think that's a great That's movie. my movie mental is, tag as no, Manda no. Woman. The movie is a lot better than the book. I have to say, I enjoyed the movie. And isn't she all, was, And she produced it, I believe, as well. But isn't she all pissed off about that movie because that was supposed to be her comeback vehicle instead it was the, hey, here's Angelina Jolie. Yeah, Winona who? the launching movie for Angelina Jolie. And is that where but, they're all like in a nut well, hatchery together? They're yeah, all, yeah, they're I, all... I redid that play... It, that movie into a play in college. <laughs> so this, but it's like in a mental ward or something, right? Yeah, yeah. they're all crazy bitches. All right, and is it, and so it, now here's the thing. Uh, please don't take this the wrong way. Uh, as a guy, is it worth watching? I mean, is it is it stand or is it like a chick film? Oh, you'd love it. No, it has like girl, oh, like hot girls yeah. cutting themselves. Really? Like it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Angelina wears little see-through white shirt. No, uh, you had me. You had me at cutting. All right, excellent. There all right, you go. thank you, Rachel. You no all problem. Right, there you go. That's, uh, hey, you know, here's the thing. Speaking of hot chicks cutting. You know what's a good movie? Uh, is it, now I forgot. Is it the Map of the World? What is this Sigourney Weaver film? And it was like an Oprah book, and then they made it into a Sigourney Weaver movie. I don't know. And it's like her kid vanishes, and they stick her in a nut house or in a prison or something. I w- I'm thinking of The Forgotten with uh, Juliet. Oh, uh, we have to quit talking about yeah, Oprah I don't books know. and I don't chick know. films. All right. I like boobs and beer and video games. You're a male. I'm a man. Um, uh, Don Taylor will uh, join us here in a bit. We'll talk about uh, Razortooth, ladies and gentlemen. It's a truly awful film that does look uh, quite glorious. We've also got Sid and Marty Croft, creators of the original Land of the Lost, plus Phil uh, Spector's prison uh, feed on Twitter coming up. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Good morning to you. It is Tuesday. Coming up in mere moments, Don Taylor from Cinematical, who has a great piece about uh, Terminator Salvation, by the way. Uh, later on, Dax Holt from TMZ.com and Sid and Marty Croft, creators of the original Land of the Lost. Awesome. Uh, uh, what else? Crew Fest 2 tickets, ladies and gentlemen. Where did my... Uh, we have now, uh, for your something or other, not edification, but a thing like that, but that means something else, a Crewfest prize pack. It includes the Crewfest DVD from last year's show and fourth row seats to Crewfest 2 at Clark County Amphitheater, a part of KUFO's Summer of Rock, featuring Motley Crue, Godsmack, Drowning Pool, and Theory of a uh, Dead Man. So we're going to be giving away fourth row seats today, third tomorrow, second, and then, of course, on uh, Friday, it's going to be front row seats. So this uh, comes to us from Greg Nibbler. Greg is the one who came up with this. I don't think I'm going to play the soundbite just yet. Okay, here's... I could do this two ways. I could either tell you whence this song derives, or I could actually play like five seconds of it. But I think I'm going to do the the former. And then when somebody comes up with the answer, I'll play the actual sound clip. All right, if you can be caller 10, you can answer this question correctly. And the number is 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. What is the name of the alleged Vince Neil solo hit... From the movie Encino Man. The movie Encino Man. 
Features. Just talking about Encino Man yesterday. That's crazy. Well, you're always talking about Encino Man, Sarah. It's because it's Stony a. Stony from Estonia. The modern classic. The movie Encino Man features what Vince Neil solo performance? That's 503 228 4101. What is the name of the Vince Neil solo track from the uh, Encino Man uh, soundtrack? 503 228 4101. If you can uh, be caller 10 correctly, identify that. Uh, you win a uh, pair of tickets to see Crew Fest 2, as well as a DVD from last year's show, part of KUFO Summer of Rock. Find out more at KUFO.com. And then uh, in just a bit, I've got a, uh, have an actual clip of this song we'll play as well. And that was, um, that was, that was, that was large Vince Neil. That was, and it was when he had that band that was like. So was he in the movie? No, I don't think so. I haven't, you know, can I, I'm a bad person. I've only seen Encino Man once. Oh, and come I, on. I, it's not, I do, there's just not enough time. Look, I do. I haven't even played the new Lighthouse level on Left 4 Dead. Get off my back! Well, just... I guess I grew up in the era of Pauly Shore movies where, like, every other movie was a Pauly Shore movie, so I've seen it a billion times. Wow, and he, there was just this period. We were, like, in the middle of this Pauly Shore event horizon uh, where it seemed like about every 98 minutes or so they would release a new film, often uh, uh, yeah. co-starring a Baldwin. Oh, totally. All right. Um, Don Taylor from Cinematical. Hello. How are you? Good morning, Mr. Emerson. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You're going to be talking about this movie, Razor Tooth, today? I am. That is awesome. Uh, it, it, all I know is that you sent me a link to the trailers, like the, the YouTube <laughs> video for the trailer for this. And uh, we have some more sound from the film that we'll play later on. So we'll talk about uh, Razor Tooth. Is it straight to DVD or did it play on sci-fi or is it just... Oh, oh, it's straight to DVD. Oh, that is that is excellent. Awesome. All right. Because there's the, this whole new genre of film that they just sort of look like I was going to say that I mean I've been saying that they're all kind of variations on like Placid but I mean like Placid of course is just the variation on the, the Roger Corman the, the thing lurking in a swamp with a zipper running down its back uh, films that were popular you know way before uh, yeah. way before sci-fi existed so Anyway. Somebody somewhere uh, realized that they could do creatures really, really cheap with CGI. Oh, yeah. And so now all of your rubber suit movies are now going like straight to sci-fi channel or video and have like really bad, like made on a home computer CGI effects. Speaking of which, I saw Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, which is like the best thing that's ever existed. <laughs> and here's the thing. You know, I was watching that movie, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, which you can't really abbreviate because otherwise it loses all of its punch. And so I'm watching the film, and it's Lorenzo Lamas and Debbie Gibson, Deborah Gibson, who is just hot as balls, by the way. Uh, just uh, really, that's. Um... I I give props to any actress who keeps her real nose. Yeah, and well, she and she proudly has a, a serious nose on her. She is and... an unconventional beauty, yes. is what she is. Um, but I'm watching that movie, and it's and. Look, I mean, I know it's Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Okay, it's, it's not really like I'm watching uh, like Jurassic Park two. But the effects are just astonishingly bad. And I kept thinking to myself, why? Why are these effects so terrible? I mean, they people must have watched this before they released it, right? I mean, this can't be like... This can't be like that thing where the spec version of Pac-Man for the Atari 2600 was actually the thing that they ended up releasing. Like, this, this, this can't be that. Here's what it is. You know what I found out? Here's why the effects in Mega Shark are so bad. Because they were going to make that movie in 3D. That was the original plan. Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus in 3D. So they did, in fact, just put kind of placeholder effects in. And then the studio took a look at the uh, the rough print and they said, no, that's that's crap. You can't have any more money. Finish it on uh, $12. And so they were just like, well, F it. This is what we're using. So like the placeholder effects that they had just stuck in where the 3D effects were eventually going to go, that's what they just left in. That explains so they much. They never got any money to finish the rest of the movie. And they were like, screw it. We got Debbie Gibson and a shark. Put it out now. Awesome. All right. Tim Riley, what headlines are we uh, tracking today?
Well, it looks like we found some, uh, I should say, the Brazilian Air Force has found some signs of plane wreckage off these uh, Brazilian coast life jackets, metal debris, airline seats. Ladies, Fleet Week begins tomorrow. That means the boats are going to be coming in starting tomorrow, and that means lots of traffic tie-ups. And get your penicillin shots. That's right. And closing even just 18 of Oregon's 18 franchise GM dealers will force 950 people into the unemployment lines. Mm. Uh, by the way, I've got some uh, some more stuff on that Heather's sequel that you were just talking about, Tim. You can't get that out of your head, can you? No, no, and I'd like to thank you uh, for ruining my week with that. I think it's so, something filthy. Uh, let's see. Is it Heather's sequel? Okay. It says... So is it true? Winona Ryder has confirmed, this is according to, let's see, uh, well, this is according to some blog, but look, where did you find this? Does it say where the story originated? Perez Hilton? But but she was um, speaking to E. Okay, that's what I mean, but he's quoting some quasi-reputable mm, yes. source. Um, Winona Ryder has confirmed the two stars are planning a sequel, according to internetmoviedatabase.com. Uh, the original 1988 film launched Shannon Doherty's career before Beverly Hills 90210, um, but she has not been mentioned as part of the sequel. It says here, the details of the new film are unclear, but when, uh, but writer told Empire Magazine that she and Christian Slater, who I believe was blown into tiny little pieces uh, at the end of the first one, uh, would venture back to Westerberg High. She says, quote, whatever you hear, there is a sequel in the works, I swear to God, said writer. But for some reason, the writer, Dan Waters, and director Michael Lehman don't want to talk about it. I've been wanting to do a sequel forever. There is a story. And Christian Slater has agreed to come back. Ryder has been staying out of the limelight for years, but her most recent film was Star Trek, where the actress is almost unrecognizable as Spock's mom. Slater recently had his TV drama, My Own Worst Enemy, canceled and hasn't... That's a... By the way, here's the thing. I don't know anything about that show. I never saw it. Apparently, no one ever saw it, and now no one ever will. Just hearing that title, My Own Worst Enemy, don't you just know, just instinctively in your bones, that they they picked that just so they could use that lit song, and that that lit song was probably the theme music to it or the closing theme or something? What was last? Uh, what was the last starring role Christian Slater had in a feature film? Anybody? Okay, I we'll, love Christian Slater too, and I can't. I can't we'll, tell you. We'll start easier. I How thought many... it was just a babysitter for his ex-wife. <laughs> uh, we'll um, we'll yeah, start. I don't even we'll know. start with an easier question. How many years has it been since Christian Slater, according to this article, has and I believe this, has had a starring role in a major feature film? Fifteen. I'll say ten. Uh, actually, they, it's only eight. Was it some, some uh, chatty movie about a coffee shop or something? Oh, chatty movie about a coffee shop. Are you thinking of Untamed Heart? No. A chatty movie about boy a... Baboon Boy movie. <laughs> I love the Baboon Boy movie. Oh. A chatty movie about it's a coffee baboon. shop. I'll be right back. I'll try to find it. Bed of Roses? Right. <laughs> I'll tell you, though, I think this this is how that uh, that whole meeting about uh, the Heather's 2 sequel uh, went. Uh, Winona Ryder had about five mojitos in her at Sky Bar <laughs> and ran into Christian Slater and said, we should do Heather's 2. And he said, yeah, yeah, Winona, sounds good. And the next morning she had an in- interview with Empire Magazine. It's It's happening. Yeah. No, this is where you are trying to make something take place just by saying it's going to take place. Chris, uh, Christian Slater's last starring role in a major feature film? Yes, 3,000 Miles to Graceland in 2001, oh. ladies and gentlemen. So there he, you go. He had the TV series, though, for about eight episodes called My Own Worst Enemy yeah. last year. And and it got really terrible reviews, but I actually kind of liked it. But, and But it didn't go anywhere for him. And by the way, speaking of things not going anywhere, so real quickly, I'm looking here at the filmography of Dan Waters, who's the guy who wrote Heathers. Uh, let's see. Um, he wrote Heathers. 
His later work, it says somewhat charitably, didn't match the same trend-setting and defining characteristics of Heather's. Over the next four years, he serves as a co-writer on the comedy The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. He wrote Batman Returns and then followed it up with Hudson Hawk. There you go. That's like a one, two, three punch. And then oh, he was in Bobby. And he's a bastard who should just burn in hell. He was in Bobby. For, You're right, just Tim. For, for now, turning his That's back on saying. Heathers and saying that that he doesn't think he should have made it, and it's bad for kids. By the way, just real quickly, and I have to say that he did redeem himself by making Demolition Man, though. So there you go. All right. All right. We got to do this. Don't Take a break. Pump up the volume. We American have, classic. Everyone stop. I, I love that movie. We're doing something else now. We're <laughs> Because otherwise, it's just going to end up being nothing but Christian Slater and Demolition Man. Uh, Straight ahead, we have more from Don Taylor. Later on, Sid and Marty Croft. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101. Well done, Sarah Dillon. Back after this. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. My apologies to Josh, who's calling... Calling to talk about Left 4 Dead expansion pack, which is at that lighthouse level that is part of the, the survivor mode. Oh, the lighthouse level. That's right. <laughs> then Greg, is that the one with the lighthouse? Moving on. Then uh, Greg came and sort of clarified. He goes, uh, he actually has a technical question. And so, Josh, wow, I'm going to be... I want to uh, listen to that. <laughs> and I'm going to be no roadmap there at all. That's a, that's a thing where I cannot help you. Technical video uh, game questions? Hot dog. Maybe we can go back to... Get, remember we were giving away that thing that it was when we were giving away Metallica guitar here? We were giving away those like antibacterial sponges or something for your that video game great. controller. Is your video controller covered in grease and filth? Um, I promised to do this, so I will do it uh, right now. I have this now from the, uh, this is from the UK News. Uh, although I, I've now seen it reported, I think it's at the, the blog for the LA Times, so it appears to be at least somewhat real. It says, jailed music legend Phil Spector has posted a string of internet blogs after being sentenced to 19 years for murder. The producer who's been allowed to keep a laptop computer and an iPod in his cell at the LA County Jail has been rattling off messages via the chat site Twitter. In them, Spectre, age 69, who was convicted a retrial uh, by a retrial jury last month for the murder of actress Lana Clarkson, tells her, quote, The authorities even took my effing wig. Which makes, which sort of is, is, lends credence to that whole theory we had that they will let you wear your wig in your mugshot, just not in jail. Which is why when Jackson had that mugshot taken, uh, he still had the weird fake nose and the clown you know, makeup on. Uh, because they only take that stuff away when you go to the clink. And then he says, this is the best one. Actually, there's two. He says, also, my head is full of itches. <laughs> and finally, this is Phil Spector uh, blogging or sending Twitter things or whatever from jail. His final one, he says, quote, I have befriended a cockroach. I have named him Wilson. And right now we are playing air chess. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe he's trying to be funny because Wilson's the name of the volleyball from Castle. See, I thought that too, but then why would you go to Cockroach and Air Chess? The Air Chess is the thing. That's the sort of crazy tell to me there. All right. It is uh, 503-228-4101. We have news from Tim Riley coming up here in uh, just a few. And is it Don uh, Taylor from Cinematical? Did your husband uh, offer to help Sarah Dillon with her air conditioning dilemma? He did. He did. He uh, he heard uh, he heard this morning about the air conditioning thing, and he's a he's a big buff manly sort of man, and oh. and he installed our air conditioners when when we had them in our home. So because Sarah's kind of got this um, 
she sort of got this, <laughs> this kind of this kind of oaky finoki swamp approach to uh, to install in the air conditioner where she hasn't really installed it. It's just so let me understand this. So it was hot last night. Yes. Where was the air conditioner last night when you went to bed? When was, you went to sleep, the air conditioner was sitting where? In front of my bathroom door on a chair. Okay, so you didn't have to get up and like lug it over to the chair. I did. Well, I mean, because it was laying on the floor before, because um, I had brought it into my room, and I'm like, okay, so then I plugged it in because I was so hot. I'm in like, other words, I'm... had you already gone to bed and you woke up and you're like, oh, so hot? Well, I, yeah, I was laying there for like a half an hour. I'm like, I can't do this. And I had like the fan blowing on me, which wasn't doing anything. It was just recycling hot air yes. over and over again, which doesn't bug me during the day because I spend all day, you know, hanging out at the pool. And like when right. I get hot there, I can just jump in. But at night, I get to my house. It's a sauna, and you know, I can't sleep at all. And so you took the air conditioner, you lifted it up, you set the air conditioner, and this is the window unit, of course. Yeah. So you set the air conditioner on a chair and just set the chair in your bathroom doorway. And is this so and then you put your bathroom and then you left your bathroom window open so that the warm air would theoretically blow out the back of the air conditioner, at least like in the go general on a magical path. <laughs> Even in, though the window was about seven feet away from in it. the general vicinity of the outside. Yeah. All right. But it sounds like it did lower the temperature. It kind of worked. All right. I believe. How was but that? it turned your bathroom into a sauna. That's the and plus yeah, it was this morning when I was brushing my teeth, I'm like, oh it's sweltering. And then there's water on the floor of the bathroom as well. So that's good. Yeah, and on the floor of my bedroom. All right. Oh, well, I'm... so there you go. So if I were you, yeah, I would just post some sort of uh, Facebook observation about how hey this air conditioner is great. If only I could find a big, strong man to come by and install it. Yeah, I do have a bunch of like bigger guy friends, so I'll have to ask one of them. Maybe one of the. Now, when you go to the stripper pool or the swimming pool at, at I the, couldn't go at to the... the stripper pool yesterday. I was so bummed. I had to go to another one because, because the day before yesterday, they were all like somebody had broken uh, glass in the child pool mm-hmm. on Sunday. So all of the children from the child pool decided to come to the stripper pool. So when I got there, the stripper pool and the stripper just... pool. We should clarify the stripper pool is is what we refer. This is your friend Heather at her apartment building, and it's the main swimming pool. But all the residents of the uh, all the residents of the building do seem to have a certain sort of similar look to them. Yes. Well, there are different pools for different people. Like uh, the pool. That, uh, that the broken glass was in was all the kids, and that's where, like, the families and the kids go. And our right. pool's, like, known to be, like, the... It's the grown-up's pool. It's the grown-up pool. Like, people are smoking and drinking. It's like going and... from the card table to the main table when Grandma dies. There you go. All and right. uh, so we were all excited for Sunday pool day, and I walk around the corner, and I see, like, 40 of my friends all crammed into this corner, and I look in the pool, and it's just packed full of these crazy children, and they're, like... Oh, just really gross parents, and they're all sitting around, and their kids in floaty things, and the water's all foggy. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> it was so gross. There's your Jimmy. He's got that psoriasis. Don't you pay yeah. it. No, never mind. <laughs> no, so we're in the pool, and we're all hanging out, and these kids, these three boys, are playing next to us, and they they keep splashing us and, like, spiking them. How old are these, How old are these boys? Uh, I don't know, like 10 or 12 or something. Oh. They're little turds. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's point. a wonderful age, isn't it? When they're about to, when they're about eleven years of age. Man, that pool is like insta birth control. It's disgusting. Yeah. Me. So these kids are like, they don't have parents, and they're just running around all crazy, running like, amok, running amok. And so they're they have this ball, and they keep like splashing us, and um, like they'll splash people who are smoking, like totally like give water all over their cigarettes, and like get water in our beer, heaven forbid, and everything. So we were getting Ooh, really mad. Cla- cloudy kid pool water in your beer? Cloudy kid pool water. <laughs> and um, so anyway, so these kids kept spiking the ball at my head, and finally, at one point, I turned around, I'm just like, stop spiking that ball at my head, or I'm going to pop your Well, ball. let me, hold on, let's, let's, hold on. Let's, so you, uh, you're, let's calm down. So you're sitting, <laughs> you're getting very, uh, getting very worked up. So I'm I want to try, but I want to get the, bring it out of me. I want to get the mental geography of this uh, sort of straight. So you are sitting by the pool in a chair. 
I'm, no, I'm in the pool. Like, okay, we, you and your friends are in the pool. Yeah, we're all like off to a side. There were like 40 but, of us like sitting around, but, and then like, but not uh, like not uh, engaged in any sort of like a swimming activity. You're just sort of hanging out, yeah. hanging out in the water. And the kids who could this is a rectangular pool. Uh, no, it's kind of wrapped around. It's kind of like a boomerang almost. Uh, all right, so it's like a kidney shaped pool. So they yeah. could sort of be at the other end of this. Yes, but of course they're not at the other end. They're right near where you are, uh, so they can just cause as much chaos as possible and splash their quote. Cloudy pool water into your beer. <laughs> no, and they kept, and they were doing it on purpose. Like people, um, That's you know, my friends were starting to be nice. Like, you know, please stop splashing us. So these children just kept, like, they're rude and saying rude things. I heard one of the kids call um, one of the girls a kid whore bitch. <laughs> that doesn't even make any <laughs> it sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's like they were stringing like, together for Fanny. So finally, like, this kid, I asked him repeatedly not to spike the ball at my head. And he did. I'm like, you know what? I'm done. And I grabbed the ball and I was going to, I was going to pop it, but then I decided to just deflate it so then we could just steal it from him. So I grabbed their ball and I deflated their ball. And meanwhile, these three children like are running at me and they're all like grabbing me. And one of my friends is trying As to block me. As you're deflating the ball. I told them not to do it. So I deflated their ball. Um, Please tell like, me you then threw it over a fence into a neighboring yard. I threw it into the bushes because none of my friends would <laughs> that do is anything. fantastic. Well done. I felt, I'm sorry, these kids were horrible. They were horrible. They were like. They're probably part of the 82nd Street Boy Scout trip. <laughs> I mean, they're just calling everybody We're names. getting our merit badges and irritation and annoyance. So I took their ball, deflated it, um, threw it in the bushes, and then uh, one of them, you know, they're all, like, like hitting me and splashing me. I'm like, whatever, whatever. I'm like, I asked you not to do that. That's really rude. And so they got out and got the ball out of the um, bushes and then blew it back up. And then they started, like, yelling at me. They're like, look at us now. We have our ball again. Look at us now. And started, like, doing Why that. did you stay? You should have just. See, at that point, you know I'm what it is. I'm not going to let those small children ruin my tropical summer. You know what? It, then but, you got to put your knife. But, it's, <laughs> but really, I mean, it's, 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 not like, it's not like you're yielding the swimming pool at, like, the Wynn Hotel to them or something. It's, it's filled with pee water, apparently. <laughs> well, we at a certain point, you got to just be like, you know what? You, you can have this. No, because there were, like, a billion of my friends there, and I really wanted to hang out with them and these you know children were ruining our summer so basically this kid was just yelling at me and i'm just like hey i'm like what is what is your problem and he's like screaming at me i'm like you know what you're way too young to be so rude i'm like i'm jaded i'm old i'm allowed to be rude i'm like you need to just be a little bit nicer. this sort of conversation never really works well with kids though they they don't respond they to stay that away get off of them cigarettes <laughs> All right. Don Taylor from yes. Cinematical. Hi. So, hey, by the way, points on a really well-done Terminator uh, article. You can go to RickEmerson.com and you can see Ooh. your article about Terminator. And you make a really good point, which is that in Terminator Salvation, the um, the fact that the Skynet computer appears to be so abysmally stupid does put this sort of retroactive sheen of, eh, I guess it doesn't matter all that much, over the first three Terminator films. Yeah, it's like uh, if if you watch uh, like Nightmare on Elm Street, and it's really, really scary, and then later you find out that uh, you know Freddy Krueger's functionally there, retarded. Or that really he it's was like just you trying go to... Back, you go back, yeah, the first one's maybe not so scary anymore. And the whole time he was really just trying to track them down to give them a puppy that they left behind <laughs> at school. He was just going to give them a good pinch. Yeah. Um, so, and is it true, and I say this having not seen Terminator 4, so there's a little bit of a spoiler here, so I'll ask you this. Yeah, put, put your fingers in your ears if you don't want something spoiled. I mean, this isn't listeners. that much of a giveaway, but somebody told me that at the very end, uh, when they're sort of breaking in to destroy the, the main Skynet computer, that even though Skynet is a thing that is just, a, it is a machine unto itself, that in fact, the main Skynet center room is filled with, for no real reason, desks and chairs. Even yeah. though presumably it's a thing that doesn't require human involvement at all, and in yeah. fact is trying to exterminate all humans. But you know, just on the off chance they should come by, here's a lazy boy for you. Well, it's all, it's. Uh, I think it's the same thought that I I kept wondering why, uh, if you are this all-seeing, all-powerful computer system with weapons and lasers and and cameras and things, why you would 
actually create Terminators for your own use that walk on two legs and are shaped like humans to, to walk around as guards in your facility. That also makes no sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, I understand them making the Terminators so, and then making them look like Arnold Schwarzenegger to send them into the past so that they'll pass as human. My husband, I believe, was the one who said, well, maybe these are like some they were still working on and they didn't want them to go to waste. <laughs> Prototypical models. Uh, let's talk about Razortooth, which is, uh, as I understand it, a giant eel film that is sort of from that sci-fi vein uh, where everything is sort of a bad take on Anaconda. Yeah, it's uh, it's about a giant uh, mutant genetically altered eel that can, like, go on land. It okay. doesn't have to stay in the water. And it has what appears to be a very human face and piercing blue eyes. And then also it's a huge eel. And, yeah, with, with long, pointy, razor-sharp, piranha-like teeth. So have you watched this film all the way through? Well, to be honest, I watched about a third of it straight through, and then I started kind of fast-forwarding to the good parts. Skipping to the next eel attack. There weren't really good parts. Yeah. Uh, this is a film that it's uh, directed by a woman named Patricia Harrington, and this is her first directorial uh, you know, movie or whatever. I, wow, I'm good it's with It's her directorial today. debut. Yes, exactly. And uh, her credits are, she has a couple of credits mainly as an actress. She uh, was in the film Carnosaur. And I'm, like, all for, like, good for you getting behind the camera and taking charge. Uh, But the thing is, what's really fascinating about this movie is that it's it's terrible. It's really terrible. It's not terrible in a mega shark, giant octopus kind of way. No, it's just terrible. It's just bad. But But it became really compelling to me because they actually had a budget. They somebody did the CGI to make the the horrible looking fake giant eel. They have, like, you know. Costumes and uh, police cars and things for scenes, they they have things that they need to make a movie. And so this is the question where you're looking at like a two and a half million dollar terrible film thinking, why couldn't you have used this to make? And the script and the acting, it all feels like somebody just got their friends together and said, let's make a horror movie. So I have here some audio. Uh, Greg Nibbler has put this together. There's some audio from Razortooth, uh, which is available on DVD today. Let's... uh... Anopterus albus, boys. Asian swamp eels. No one knows when the first ones came. Slithered out of the ballast of some cargo ship. But they did come, they stayed, and now they're taking over. That's sort of a great one-two punch of awkward expository scientific dialogue and terrible acting. It, um, it actually begins really strong uh, and, and very abruptly. Like, there's a couple of guys get out of prison. They're, they're in the swamp. They're in the bayou. They're escaping from prison in their jumpsuits. The sheriff's deputies are after them. And all of a sudden, everyone is being eaten by a giant eel. Of course. And then we have like 10 minutes of exposition after that where they introduce all of the other characters are going to be in the movie. The the fat redneck guy in the overalls and the... Oh, the, there, I'm an archetype. What the, can I do? The campers in the canoe and the, the, co- the really irritating college kids who have to have extra credit. So they go out to meet the scientist who has some shady, unethical thing he's doing. And... It it's just oh you know uh, fat redneck guy of course gets eaten inside a porta potty. Of course, why not? Let's play one more uh, clip of sound here. This is from Razortooth out on DVD. I just come from Mel Gordon's place. I found him up on the roof dead. Something took a bite out of him. He was gone from the waist down. 
It's sort of like uh, Coen Brothers films if they'd tripped and landed in the middle of, like, <laughs> Mant or something. Or some the awful or sci-fi Mansquito. movie. Mansquito. And the star of uh, Razortooth is a man named Doug Swander, who, if you look him up on IMDb, you'll see he's done pretty much nothing, like, ever. Uh, except uh, back in the mid-'80s, he was a semifinalist on Star Search. And if you go find his website, he's a singer. Of course. He's not actually an actor, apparently. Oh, no. He's, he's kind of a nice-looking guy. He's got kind of a... He's kind of a little like Gary Cole, only without any discernible talent. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, and he's, and he's the lead in Razor Tooth. There you go. Razor Tooth, out on DVD now, ladies and gentlemen. The Rick Emerson Show continues next with Tim Riley at the news desk. Later on, Sid and Marty Croft. And we will uh, also talk to Dax Holt from TMZ.com. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Oh, yeah. No, she's, uh, oh, yeah, no. Daddy, daddy likes her. Ew. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Uh, about 20 minutes from now, Sid and Marty Croft, ladies and gentlemen, uh, creators of the original Land of the Lost. Uh, see also HR Puff and Stuff. See also uh, The Lost Saucer. See also Far Out Space Nuts, Electro Woman, Dinah Girl. I think. Lidsville. Lidsville for the win. There's always one that I forget. It's like I'll always, uh, Dr. Shrinker, I'll just, I'll list off just a whole a cavalcade of all their stuff, and there's the one that's always left out. It's even in the sea monster. Um, wait. It's back on me. Wait. Bugaloos. Oh. Bugaloos. I can't think of any more. How? Oh, the bu- but the Bugaloos. I win. Uh, Don Taylor from Cinematical and Cinema Sideshow. Um, real quickly, I know you wanted to mention something else. There was something that was dear to your heart so, with Kenneth Branagh you so, wanted to mention on so, DVD. Something better than Razor Tooth. Yes. Uh, yeah, on DVD today, a uh, box set of a, they're calling it a series, uh, season one, uh, Wallander um, from uh, BBC starring Kenneth Branagh. It's actually three uh, 90-minute movies, each one based on a book in a series. Um, and the the book, uh, originally, there's also a series of films that were made in Sweden because this is where it takes place. And it's kind of bizarre because uh, Kenneth Branagh plays a police detective and everyone, all of the characters in the film, the setting for the film is is Scandinavian. But ev- all of the actors are British. So that's a little bit confusing, particularly when you start thinking they're British and then somebody throws a newspaper down and it's all written in Swedish. But um, if you've seen the movie, uh, the American remake, particularly of Insomnia. Uh, it's got a, a very similar feel to that. It's this kind of uh, quiet, kind of uh, s- a little bit on the slow side if you're used to American film. But he's he's an existentialist cop. He's kind of world weary and tired. Americans and, love existentialism. They can't I, get enough of it. But he's Kenneth Branagh too. And he, um, as as always with all cop shows, there has to be like you know his he's separated from his wife and he's got a contentious relationship, an interesting relationship with his daughter, and he has everybody has an elderly parent. But in this case, his elderly parent we find in the first film, which is called Sidetracked. Um, his in that film, his father is. Uh, is in the early stages of Alzheimer's. And his father's played by David Warner, who you'll remember from Tron and uh, Time Bandits and uh, a number of wonderful things. He was Jack the Ripper in Time After Time. And so but, so this is out on DVD. This is, is out on DVD Wallander. today. Wallander, W-A-L-L-E-N-D-E-R. Excellent.
All right. And it's definitely worth checking out. Don Taylor, Cinematical and CinemaSideshow.com, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Don Taylor. Thank you, Mr. Emerson. At the news desk, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everybody. It's going to be another sunny day today. Highs in the 80s cooling off by Thursday. I don't see why this story isn't attracting more attention. It says here U.S. combat troops will be pulling out of all cities and towns in Iraq as scheduled by the end of this month. That seems... That's what it says right here. U.S. combat troops will pull out of all cities and towns in Iraq as scheduled by the end of this month. That is from General Ordiano, commander of U.S. forces in Iraq. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. When you say as scheduled, though, does that just mean... Does that mean true... In other words, there's two ways you could take that sentence. Mm -hmm. There's one, because the language is sort of unclear. Does that that mean... Does that mean that as scheduled, all troops... Well, okay, but here's what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. There's two different things that could mean. It could mean, as scheduled, everybody's leaving Iraq. Or does it mean everybody who was already planning to leave Iraq, that's still happening, nothing has changed, they're still leaving. In other words, so is it like the tr- some troops that were already getting ready to leave, or is it like everybody everywhere is leaving? Because that can't possibly be true. He said in a joint assessment of the overall security situation in Iraq cities is complete, adding some military trainers and advisors will remain in Mosul. I'm very confused, because even Obama was saying it was going to be like 18 months or something. Now they're going to redeploy to bases outside of Iraq, which has to mean that they're going to another place. Well, okay then. Well, I mean, don't, don't, I don't think that's a yeah. I don't think that's a conclusion that we can come to. I mean, not that it's a bad idea in any way. I'm all for that. But all right. Well, we'll see. Well, let's talk about the top story of Portland, shall we? A fella says no to Bo. Bo Breedlove cannot have a restraining order on the Oregon. A reporter that he doesn't like. This is the Oregonian reporter. He's trying to keep away from him, like he's being stalked or something. The judge told him to get used to being hunted by the media, making comparisons of the pretty boy to Monica Lewinsky and Tanya Harding. And by the way, having uh, having interviewed Bo Breedlove, I think we can all say I'm sure he loves being compared to Tanya Harding and Monica Lewinsky, by the way. Mm-hmm. You're just like Stumpy Girl and the fat chick. You, Bo Breedlove. So Bo appeared to be ready for his close-up, sporting a movie star like Tan and wearing a tight sports shirt. For any sugar daddy who may have been watching for the side. I was just going to say, I was, I was just going to say. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. It's a short ride, kid. Get some money it's now. Seriously. Yeah. It's like, work Your all you got. will be over with before you know it. <laughs> They'll be over in a twinkle. Mm-hmm. There are more waiting in the wings, young man. Well, get it while you can, I suppose. Uh, Camby firefighters have rescued two dogs that fell down a steep hill. The owner was walking them harnessed together when they slipped and became tangled up in some tree roots. Eventually, they were afraid and drank lots of water from a nearby river to cool off. Speaking of movies, how would you like to stand out in the sweltering sun, pass out, and not be paid for it? Oh, boy. Yes, it's another day. And people are going to do this. No matter. Tell them not to, but they're going to do it. It's another day of shooting for the Harrison Ford, Brandon Fraser movie. They're at Oaks Park today. And talk about cheap. They want extras, but aren't willing to pay for them. So I have a question for you, Tim Riley. Yes. I have a, I have a question in three parts, but I'll only do the first part here. All right. I was going to do this Ask Tim Riley section, so I think I will, I'll just Am do... Am I supposed to be knowledgeable on some topic? Yeah. <laughs> Insanely enough, yes. All right, um, I'll try. Let I me see. Where is my, uh, where's my Tim Riley sound here? I had, uh, I had created... I got in a music bed that seemed like it was appropriate for this. Let's see. And here we go. All right, this is going to be Ask Tim Riley, section one. Tim Riley, what is an extra? An extra is a non-speaking role in a motion picture, often referred to as cattle calls. These are crowd scenes. Now, they don't use as many as they used to. They can use cardboard cutouts, or they can put them up by computer, but you need 
people walking around to make it look like a light like scene because it is a closed set. It is not going on in a, uh, in a place where normal people would be. So it's not like a documentary where there's actual folks in the background. That's correct. This is where they're supposed s- to put there purposely to walk and do things at a certain span of time. So they are simulating people in a, in a public place, passers-by, that or third correct. man from left, or guy who's kind of in focus in the background. Mm-hmm. So is the difference... Often called a background artist. It really? Yes. A background artist. Background artist. Is uh, the difference between extra and actor... Uh, at least in our, in other words, is the difference whether you're speaking or not? Correct. Extras do not speak. All right. There you go. Just like the help at Tim Riley's house. So anyway, go go out there for free and stand out and pass out. Nobody's going to help you. Uh, (laughs) Basically, it's what it comes down to. If you're not being paid, you're not on anybody's clock. Uh, please, no screaming babies, though. That's, that's the only thing they ask. Send those to Sarah's house. Yes, yes, All right. Send them to the pool. Back after this, Sid and Marty Croft coming up uh, oh, next hour. Oh, by the hour. way, we've been duped by television again. It says the Slim Shady Bruno rear-ending rapper scene was faked on TV and the MTV You mean just awards. like his re- like Now, was the whole thing faked, or yes. was it just Eminem's reaction? Probably the reaction. Well, he may have gotten closer than expected. See, that's my thing. Which would be the shock. I mean, I figured... the event itself was planned. It was normal television to dupe the American public, and they fell for it. See, I figured that that part was true, that that part was real. Especially since he just has a brand new album coming out, and like... Well, but I mean, I guess I'm talking about Sasha Baron Cohen. Better his, way to promote it than Sasha Bowen's rear end. His his whole deal is to like is to make people uncomfortable. So I was thinking like he's like then I will stick my bum in his face. I figured that that was planned, but that Eminem was not in on the joke to any appreciable level, or that he was just told, "Look," and then he's going to land next to you wearing a silly outfit. But he wasn't told, like, "Hey, ass in my face." Uh, and that, so that because he doesn't because he does seem to have a bit of a short uh, fuse about such things. But also, he is a pretty decent actor, so maybe he would Eminem. Be. Yeah, I guess that's it. And maybe it's a play on the fact that a couple of years ago he got so pissed off at the Triumph comic insult dog thing because that went sort of legendarily bad. All right, uh, Sid and Marty Croft on the way. Dax Holt from TMZ and more from Tim Riley. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUF KUFO Portland. It's the Rick Emerson... I don't know what's going on right now. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the softer side of Rick. Thank you for coming along. It is Tuesday morning. It's 503-228-4101. Here in just a few moments, we're going to be talking to Sid and Marty Croft, ladies and gentlemen. They are the uh, creators of the original Land of the Lost. Of course, the Will Ferrell Land of the Lost uh, opens this Friday. The KUFO premiere of that uh, is tonight, if you had uh, tickets for that. At the news desk, this is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, it's 8.07. Another setting day today. Highs in the 80s, cooling off a bit by Thursday. Closing even just 18 of Oregon's 80 franchise GM dealers will force 950 into the unemployment lines. Fortunately, Portland's Ron Tonkin Chevrolet is not on the list. Neither is Wentworth Chevrolet Subaru. The auto industry provides more than 7,000 jobs statewide. Cruel kid snatching senior citizens' purses while they were bowling. We'll regret it. This misguided teen was tackled by bowlers after taking two purses at Hillsborough Park's Lane Bowling Alley. A pack of angry bowlers caught up with him, sat on him till the cops got there. He'll never forget this day. Conan O'Brien makes his debut as host of The Tonight Show. 
He uh, took time to thank uh, Jay Leno last night. I want to acknowledge somebody, a very good friend of mine, a true gentleman, a very gracious man, a man who hosted this show for 17 years, took very good care of this franchise. Ladies and gentlemen, let's all give it up for Mr. Jay Leno. He did it. There you go. Helen Kushnick would not approve of that, by the way. No. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien. Thank you. But I have to admit, I think I've timed this moment perfectly. Think about it. I'm on a last place network. I moved to a state that's bankrupt, and tonight's show is sponsored by General Motors. <laughs> well done. There was a uh, there was a great moment on the Letterman last night. Letterman had a really good line. He's just Letterman's one of those guys that you just you can kind of forget about him now and again because he's not flashy. You know, he just because as opposed to being. As opposed to being a guy like Jay Leno, who's just sort of this relentless, compulsive joke machine and not all that funny, Letterman is really a true broadcaster. You know, he's a guy that takes it seriously and I think respects the tradition of broadcasting. Um, but Letterman had this just a joke that was so well done and performed, but it was a reference to, he said, uh, in effect, he said, well, my mom called up and, uh, you know, she uh, pointed out that I have now lost The Tonight Show uh, twice in a row, which is great. And it was a great little reference to the fact, you know, that they, you know, that he lost the gig to Leno the first time. And, of course, now they're giving it to Conan. And it's just, you know, one of those things that really makes you appreciate what a great broadcaster he is. Do we have time for a Cheney watch? Uh, probably not. I think it's probably Sid and Marty Croft calling in. All I'm right, seeing we'll the line back ring right there. At some point, Let's yeah. do one more that's uh, that's not a watch, and then we'll be joined by Sid and Marty Croft, creators of uh, Land of the Lost, ladies and gentlemen. A 29-year-old Tennessee man is now the proud owner of a disturbing record. Desmond Hatchett has set a U.S. record for fathering 21 children with 11 women. Well and done. He's only 29. Really? Yeah. So when did he? Well, that's uh... the children range in age from newborn to 11 years old. And he knows the name and age of every child he claims. Yes. 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 All right. That sounded like a <laughs> comma. And it was a period. I thought it was a semicolon. And he says, I'm done. I say I'm done this time. <laughs> sure. All right. And this is where? Tennessee. All right. You well done. See the kids around the pool. Tennessee guy. All right. So uh, I can see it's that thing where I can see the line lit up. All right. There we go. Okay. Is this uh, yep. is this in Marty Croft? All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. The uh, movie Land of the Lost opens this Friday, starring Will Ferrell. And, of course, the KUFO premiere of that movie is going to be tonight, the KUFO screening. Let us now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show uh, the legendary and iconic uh, Sid and Marty Croft. Hello hey, there, sirs. Good morning. This is Sid Croft. This is Marty. Hel Rock and roll, Rick. Hey, thank you for having us on. Not at all, my friends. Thank you for joining me today. And first of all, I'll just uh, get the gushing fanboy nonsense out of the way and just thank you guys for creating such a huge body of work and for uh, having just a, a wide variety of shows that were not only entertaining but that didn't speak down to children for creating shows that even if they were comedic in nature always treated kids like an intelligent audience which is was a thing in short supply when i was growing up uh, when, when we did our puppets you know uh, sis act and when we did the puppet shows which was it was every, we always did the puppets for adults so and, we, we and, always and you know when we started doing television we didn't want uh, the shows just for kids we didn't want it to be a babysitter, and we wanted mom and dad to sit down with their kids and enjoy the show because when mom and dad laughed, 
the kids even laughed harder. No, because kids were in school five days a week, and Saturday was their day, and we wanted to really give them a treat. How long has this uh, this movie version of Land of the Lost been in the works? I mean, it seems to have been in development just for an eternity. Now it's come to fruition. Right. Last century we did. No, 15 years. Marty, tell them about it. We started developing it at Disney. We did two scripts with great writers. It didn't work. We, we didn't know at that time that we were doing another episode the way we developed it. Then we went to Sony in 2000, and then we did the same thing. Then about a year later, Sid, you know, calls me and says, hey, I think I have a good idea. Why don't we do this with a big comedy star so that we can get picked up and go with that against Jeopardy? So then I immediately flashed on to Mosaic, Jimmy Miller and Julie Domini, that are managers of all these comedy people, Jim Carrey, Will Farrell, who wasn't as big as Jim Carrey, so we were thinking Jim Carrey. And then when Will started taking off, we thought of Will Farrell, and then they all liked the idea, and they had all the talent, and then we pulled together the writers, and then, you know, we got, we had Will Farrell attached, and uh, wound up with a great script, and uh, we presented it to Fox Studios, they all wanted it, and we wound up with Universal, mostly because the head of Universal was Ron Meyer, and he was uh, Mike Ovitz's partner at uh, Creative Artists. So we had our agent, the head of Universal, so this is good. We're talking to Sid and Marty Croft. They're the creators of the original Land of the Lost, as well as uh, multiple other programs, including H.R. Puff and stuff. And we had, and I have to say this, we had a listener who, when he heard that we were going to be talking to you guys, he called up and he said, you have to ask them if the Lost Saucer and Far Out Space Nuts will ever come out on DVD. And he was very well, excited about this. You know, the, 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 it is out on DVD. We, we don't have the full episodes, Sid. No. We have like one episode of some of these shows on the World of Sid and Marty Croft uh, DVD that has one episode of every show, and that's Rhino. So if they're patient, everything will happen. Of course, we have no patience. But we are doing Puffin stuff at Sony, and we are doing Sigmund and the Sea Monsters at Universal. Um, what, was the, what was the original genesis of Land of the Lost, this series? Where did that idea okay. come from? Well, that idea really came from, uh, that was our fifth show. The networks always waited each year to see what our next show was going to be. Now, those kids... Uh, our first show was Puff and Stuff, then came the Bugaloos and Lidsville and Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. And we said, hey, those kids are now teenagers. We've got to do something special for them and even bring in a whole new audience. Well, we know and we all know that dinosaurs are loved by not only kids but adults all over the planet. And... Uh, the very first movie made with dinosaurs, I saw that. It was 1 million B.C., and it always stuck in my mind, you know. scared the hell out of me, and I thought, gee, uh, dinosaurs haven't been on Saturday morning or any television show. So that's where that idea came from, and we gave it a Swiss Family Robinson background. And oddly enough, the first title that we gave it was Lost.
Yeah, it's a change that we would have been like in Maui right now. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, just adding to that, we had a dollar ninety-eight to do all these shows. I mean, the movie cost more than all the shows we ever did put together. And really, you know, for so, you know, for a show that really was put together on what we might call a modest budget, the yeah. storytelling and the scripting. People sometimes overlook this: the the scripting and the science fiction conventions that were put into the original Land of the Lost. Whether it's the idea of a closed circular uh, a system of a universe, or whether it's the notion of an eternal paradox, and there's some people have seen things like uh, the religious allegory in the show, and then and then there's also the the, the sleaze stack of the altrusians who are such a terrifying, even now as an adult, I'm 36 years of age, and if I ever hear that sound, that sound, it, it just, it, it just yeah. I flash back. Who designed the, the sleaze stack of the writing. We have many of the Star Trek writers. Walter Koenig, uh, I know, uh, famously uh, scripted an episode or two. Who designed the, the, the Sleestack creatures and the sound and the look? Where did that well, come from? You, you know where that came from? When we had the family, we needed, uh, we needed a background there, someone for them to be afraid of or someone for them to talk to. <clears throat> and uh, the Sleestacks came from dinosaur. They were lizard people. And 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 Chaka came from ape, and so that's why uh, Chaka became a character. You know, Rick, you said a few things that triggered a thought. <laughs> you grew up on these shows, and there are millions of kids out there that that are adults today that we made their Saturday morning. So we're we 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 did great for them. We're asking them now. For a payback. They better show up on June the 5th. That's the most important day for us. <laughs> Sid and Marty Croft, creators of Land of the Lost, the new movie uh, with Will Ferrell opens this weekend. It opens uh, Friday. And, and just uh, my final question here, and I have to, you touched on something. That there was the Sid and uh, the, 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 the Croft uh, Super Show or the, the Croft All-Star Show where it would rotate through the different series. And when Land of the Lost would come right. on, I think it was Wednesdays, and it would, it would be, be so thrilling when I would see those opening credits start to play. Did um, did Wesley Uri, is he the one who sings the theme song? Somebody told me it was the Osmonds, but that can't be true. No, no, it is. There were singers that sang the theme song. Yeah. In fact, in the movie, Will Farrell took banjo lessons for three months. He sings the theme song in the movie. And also Everclear recorded as a single, and we're using that in the, in the documentary and some other trailers. You know, yesterday, Will Farrell said to us, you guys are so cool. And this has been the coolest project I've ever worked on. And I said, it's great that you say that because we've always been accused of being hip and trippy. So now we're cool, hip, and trippy. <laughs> and when you see the movie on Friday, all those three things are there. You know, we brought it into the year 2009. And Marty and myself, we really, really love this movie. And I hopefully... You will, too. Well, I have to say... The uh, last thing is, yes. they always accused us of being 30 years ahead of our time. Now, with The Land of the Lost coming out Friday, we're only six months ahead of our time, so it's catching up to us. Well, I have to say, on behalf of myself and millions of other people, thank you for bringing a little imagination and creativity and adventure into my afternoons and my Saturdays. Sid and Marty Croft, best of continued success, gentlemen. Thank you Thank for having us on. Thank you, sir. There you go. Go see the movie, Land of the Lost. Will Ferrell. Go see it. Go see it. Go see it. And he's really right. 
Really? He's nobody's ever been more right about anything than he was when he said, "You owe him. You you both you owe." <laughs> really, we all owe both of those guys. They so. sound exactly how I wanted them to. <laughs> well, they're just. Yeah, I mean, it's the best thing ever. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ.com, our good friend Dax Holt joining us now on the program. Hello, how are you, sir? Good. How's everyone out there? You know, I just talked to Sid and Marty Croft, creators of Land of the Lost, so I'm, uh, I am rolling, as uh, Doc Holliday <laughs> says in Tombstone. I'm having a good day. Nice, good. Uh, what's going on in the world of TMZ, sir? Well, I, I think everyone's talking about this whole Eminem, Bruno thing where, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen came flying down at the MTV Awards and kind of <laughs> butt-planted Eminem right in the face. Well, I just want to let everyone know it was totally fake. Well, now, I want to clarify something about this because we were talking about this being fake. And I sort of assumed that, you know, this thing where he came down and you know, he landed on Eminem, that that was planned, that Sasha Cohen knew it was going to happen. But I thought that Eminem might not have been entirely in on the joke. And, and that's the thing. That's what everyone's been wondering. Okay, so was Eminem in on it? You know, he, he would looked really, really upset when he left. Well, you know, it, it was all fake. We, we heard from one of the head writers there at MTV that the whole thing was planned. They had rehearsed it. Eminem knew what was going on. So, I, I don't know. Well, <laughs> now, know now you're challenging all I thought I knew about this world. <laughs> all right. What else is uh, going on at TMZ, sir? Well, here's another thing. Octomom, you know, she's getting her reality show. Yes. Well, she's setting up bank accounts for each one of the kids. Uh, it's, it's a Coogan account, and a, a lot of child actors and stars get these. It's so that the parents can't touch a certain percentage of their money until the kid turns 18, and then all that money goes to the kids. But it's like it's only like 15%, I would say. So this, so. Is, so this is so that she can't just fritter away uh, just all of the, the kids' earnings. Exactly. All she right. can spend a lot of it. However, they get 15% that will be set aside, and in 18 years, we'll be able to touch it. You know, in my head, I'm picturing sort of a pie chart of the California economy uh, where, like, 80% is film and, uh, t you know, TV-related industries, and, like, 16% is sort of, like, automotive and managerial, and then the remaining stuff is just Octomom income. <laughs> and, you know, and TMZ. Right. Exactly. It's so true. All right. Dax Holt, my friend, thank you so much for spending a few moments with us. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. All right. Sounds good. There you go. Dax Holt, you can watch him tonight on Fox 12, 1130 TMZ television, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley's coming up here in just a skosh with more news for you. Really? I love this song. This totally, this is, you're blowing my mind. This is catching me off guard. It's crazy. All right. Tim Riley, straight ahead. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. All right, my friends, I am here to talk to you about MaxMuscle.com. Today is the day I have been dreading. Well, I mean, looking forward to slash dreading because I have to get my before and after picture taken. Well, the before picture since I'm like all squishy right now. So uh, if you head to MaxMuscle.com, you can get a little insight into the program that I'm going to be starting today. Um, it's uh, actually not for the body. Well, you can do it if you're a bodybuilder, but I'm far from a bodybuilder. It's actually um, they have programs for an average person who's looking to lose weight or just get in better shape at the weight that they're at, which is kind of what I'm going to trying to do. So I'm going to meet up with this guy, Larry, today. He's going to try and help me plan out a better exercise regimen for me as well as um, trying to show me how to eat better a little because I just, you know, my food consists of basically Easy Mac and Sun Chips. Um, so if you want to lose a set amount of weight or just become stronger at the weight that you're at, head to MaxMuscle.com for information. Also, they have stores all around Port the Portland uh, metro area. I'm actually going to the one out in Clackamas to, Clackamas to speak with their nutritional specialist. Uh, they all know what they're talking about. They're not some random person looking to make a commission off of you. You tell them what you want, and they will sit down with you and set up a program for you to accomplish the goals that you want. All right, head to MaxMuscle.com for more details, including products and store locations. And wish me luck as I head there 
this afternoon to start my own program. MaxMuscle.com. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Well, to appreciate that girl, you really got to put on your meth goggles. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. Just uh, minutes ago, we spoke with Sid and Marty Croft, who were fantastic. That's exactly how you wanted those guys to sound. Because I think the deal is that Marty handles all the money and Sid handles all the creative. And so it's like neither of them ever knows what the other guy's doing. So it's a lot of, you know, they're not, they're out on DVD. No, they're not. Yes, they are. Marty, you don't know what you're talking about. Sort of a, uh, they got to have a uh, Randolph and Mortimer uh, Duke thing going on there. Tim Riley, what headlines are we uh, uh, talking about with the people today? What? Ships are coming in soon. Oh. Fleet week begins officially tomorrow. Crime is down in Portland, but murders are up. And uh, oh, we'll talk about only 18 of Oregon's 18 franchise GM dealers receiving notices of being phased out, but it affects 950 people. How can murders be up and crime still be down? That doesn't make. Oh, you mean like everything but murders? Yes, everything but murders. Wait, so is this? So people are taking. So they've just. There are no. There are plenty of butt murders. So they. <laughs> this looks like a butt murder. Get me Poirot. Uh, so is this sort of like the um, the apprentice program of uh, mugging and pillaging has moved to the journeyman and then uh, master program of murder? Yes. All right. Congratulations, Oregon. Well done. All right. Uh, well, before we do uh, anything else, and then we'll uh, let's see. This is it's time for part two of today's three part ask. Tim Riley. Oh, no, not again. <laughs> you keep springing this on him. I know. It's shocking. <laughs> Tim Riley. Yes. Earlier today, you were discussing the Twilight Zone episode, Walking Distance. <laughs> my, one of my favorite ones. With Martin Balsam. My question for you is, is it then true that because of this series and this episode in particular, you have a fear of merry-go-rounds? Yes. <laughs> Please to explain. I don't know what it is, but I remember that. That episode as a child, and it scared me to death because merry-go-rounds looked exactly like that at an amusement park I used to go to because it was a reward for getting so many new subscribers to my paper route every year. And so if you, when you were selling grit to the, to the good people... It was actually the National Telegraph. <laughs> of course it was. Um, so... You would sell X number, you would get X number of people to subscribe to the paper. Yes. Then the reward would be going to an amusement park. Whalem Park in Fitchburg. And so you were... Those sound like made-up words. I know. They don't even sound like real places. In Fitchburg. It sounds like you're in, like, like those are places that would be in a toy story. Uh, it's you know, north Or not of a toy story, a Christmas story, rather. So, Fitchburg is north of Worcester. So... so were you unnerved by the merry-go-rounds because the horses always look a little sinister or because of injury or both? Both. They looked exactly the same as the horses in that Twilight Zone Where episode. he falls and breaks his ankle or whatever. And I, I think the park may have been built or modeled after a park at the same time. All right. Mm. And then, of course, the horses do look a little... Horses on merry-go-rounds, especially if it's the sort of big, not a calliope, but, you know, the carousel, is that what I'm thinking of? Uh-huh. Where it's a huge merry-go-round and the horses kind of go up and down on the poles as they're sort of swirling around. And they all have, like, a vaguely sort of demonic look to No, them. they all have, like, glassy dead eyes. Yeah. yeah. It, right. it's, it's like if let loose, they would kill you or leave you behind to die in a blizzard. What kind of merry-go-round where you... Whatever. All right. There you go. That's uh, part two of a three-part Ask Tim Riley installment. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. It is the Rick Emerson Show, and this is Lincoln Park right here on Rock 101 KUFO.
And then there was dead air. Ah, oh, there we go. Uh, the moral of the story is when you're recording a song, always have it fade out for like an hour and a half. And then just have moments of silence at the end so we can all consider movement 12 of your 15-part opus. Well, nobody likes too much DJ patter. No, that's right, Tim. Uh, hey, let's talk about uh, this guy, Mike, who was the... So Mike is a guy I misidentified as Stan at the Cinematic Titanic thing on Saturday because Joel Hodgson at Cinematic Titanic was taking questions from the audience. And he was... Somebody had asked, hey, what was that episode where Gypsy came and sat with uh, Servo and Crow and everybody? And this guy, Mike, shouted out, Blast of the Wild Horses! Which, which was... Uh, and, I, and I called the guy Stan yesterday, but his name was Mike. He was sitting two rows in front of me. And Joel said, thank you, sir. You're a huge nerd. And... Don't get me wrong, Mike. You are, in fact, a huge nerd, but I guess that was also wrong. So I, Mike himself copped to the fact that that was the incorrect answer. I don't know what the real answer was, but it wasn't that. Speaking of uh, Cinematic Titanic, so uh, before we went there, we uh, had uh, dinner with um, a friend of Lars, this guy named Trevor. And Trevor had been over to our house a few weeks ago, and he had been talking just really honestly, apropos of nothing, how he was a big fan of hot sauce. And I swear to God, it was like a setup. It was like a setup for a commercial where he's sitting there on my sofa, and he says, but I just can't seem to find a hot sauce that really works for me. And I said, by God, Trevor, let me walk to the cupboard. And I went over, and I found it. I, I took it, and I handed it to him, and I said, take this home and try it. Try this secret aardvark habanero hot sauce. It's going to work. And he said, really? Do you think? And I said, yes. And I said, it doesn't matter what you put it on. And he started listing off various kinds of foods, and I said, you know what? It doesn't matter because it's got heat, it's got flavor, it's got some kick to it, but it's got uh, great all-natural ingredients that don't ever overwhelm the taste of whatever it is you're eating. And so he sent me an email, I don't know, maybe uh, two, three days ago, and he just said, I tried it, and he said, it's fantastic, it's one of the best uh, things I've ever had uh, on a food in terms of a spice uh, or a condiment. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to say it's uh, the only spice you're ever going to use, but you buy yourself some secret aardvark, and it's going to become the most frequently used condiment spice additive in your house. I swear to God it is. Secretardvark.com is where you find out more about it. You can find out where they serve it restaurant-wise and where they sell it store-wise. Secretardvark.com. The recipe and the company are right here in Portland. It is one sauce that will rule them all. Now broadcasting everywhere. At all times. To everyone. In accordance with prophecy. The Rick Emerson Show. Live or via podcast at KUFO.com. No, let's not do that. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Put that in the so don't pile. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Peter Carlin from the Oregonian and... Wait. Who's somebody else we're talking with tomorrow? There's somebody <gasps> Mystery here? guest tomorrow. Mystery guest. That's Okay, that's why I couldn't remember. I'm like, <laughs> there's a guest. I just don't know who it is. That's right. Tomorrow. confirmed. <laughs> mystery guest uh, in the 7 o'clock hour tomorrow. Mystery guest. Also, uh, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian will be joining us. This, however, at the news desk is Tim Riley. Yeah. In the news with Tim Riley. 8.45. Good morning. Another sunny day. High temperatures in the 80s. Back down to the 70s for Thursday. Just in time for Fleet Week. By the way, at least nine ships from the U.S. Coast Guard, U.S. Navy, and Canadian Navies pull into Portland tomorrow and Thursday for Fleet Week. You can uh, visit the ships for free. I think last year they charged for that. But you know, you can year. see them for free, too, while you're waiting for the bridge to go back down, while the uh, traffic is piling up behind you and the hot sun is beating down on the roof and you're wondering why your car didn't come with an air conditioner. No, oh, I don't care. I live on the west side. <laughs> well done, Tim. Well, it seems discriminatory that only chain restaurants in Oregon will have to post their calorie counts on menus if this new law goes through, and it'll only affect restaurants with 50 or more outlets nationwide. But I mean, very unfair. And let me just speak for everybody uh, in this room here. I think I'm, uh, I think I'm not too far to line when I say, 
if you have to ask how many calories are in the food, you shouldn't be eating it. Yeah. It's like when they always say, if well, you people have to... who should be asking or should be concerned don't care. But that's that's exactly my point. Like it's where they always there's that whole thing about if you have to ask how much it costs, you can't afford it. You know what? If your snack whale's ass has to be really concerned about how much is in, how much for this huge tub of pudding that's been deep fried and then rolled in uh, some sugar and then uh, dipped in chocolate chips and then covered in lard, just put it down. Just go have a just go have a salad or something. You know what I mean? And look, it's not like I'm some paragon of health, but I mean there's stuff you eat because it has a lot of calories. There's foods you sit down and you enjoy them because they're not necessarily like health food, but they're satisfying. And you should just eat those things. And so it, it, isn't, it isn't even really just about like a, a not gaining weight thing. It's like, you know what, it just, just live a little. You know what I mean? It's not going to kill you to have some calories now and again. It's not going to kill you to not have calories all the time. I mean, I, I suppose you'd be better off having carrot sticks uh, quite a lot of the day. But, I mean, if you're going to go in and sit down, you know what it is? It's like, it's like, the, um, it's like the, the person that's always in front of you. Uh, like getting an ice cream sundae or something, and then they're requesting the light ice cream, and it's like, you know what, jackass, just embrace life. You're going to be dead someday. Have some ice cream, and uh, you know, and shut up about it. Here's Tim Riley. Time for the best Cheney watch ever. Here's your Cheney watch uh, for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Every time I see you looking my way, baby, baby, can't you hear my heart? You know, speaking of that, he's beginning to sound more like Garrison Keillor every day with the labored breathing. <laughs> There's a great neighborhood in my hometown where everybody knows their place. So anyway, uh, Dick continues to speak out on the events of the day because he won't go away. But some of the things that are coming out of his mouth are interesting. For instance, Dick Cheney says, if we can't keep Guantanamo Bay open, we have no other option than to kill the inmates. <laughs> It's a good facility, and uh, if you're going to be engaged in a world uh, conflict, such as we are in terms of global war on terrorism, you know, if you don't have a place where you can hold these people, your only other option is to kill them. <laughs> that is and, awesome. Uh, we don't operate wow. that way. Wow, that is fantastic. I did not see that coming. <laughs> That's why I said it for the very end. That's like when something uh, suddenly becomes a euthanizing shelter as opposed to a hold them till they're adopted by a loving family shelter. <laughs> yes. Where's Fluffy? Uh, he's in a bag. Headed to the incinerator. I'm sorry. Uh, Dick, what about those who call you Darth Vader? I would not ordinarily be leading the charge to declassify classified information. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't call me Darth Vader for nothing. But uh, back on what? this killing business. <laughs> no, no, no. Darth Vader, not the killing. So if we can't... So if we can't... Keep them in prison, we have no choice We have no choice them. but to kill them. That's an interesting sort of binary way of looking at uh, everything. Yes. You know, you, here's the thing. You can't accuse him of sort of soft-soaping things or prevaricating. I not believe, and I've never seen any evidence to confirm that he was involved in 9-11. He's talking about Saddam Hussein. Now he says Saddam had nothing to do with 9-11. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. Even if he's changing his position, at least he always has. There's no gray area. I mean, even if he's switching from white to black and, uh, you know, back again. Uh, at least he's uh, at least he's firm about whatever it is he believes today. Like that, well, he's, he's kind of whitewashed some things and get a more favorable opinion of him. I wonder who else he thinks that we ought to just sort of kill well, dealing yeah. with. Well, here's somebody who you don't want as your ally now. Uh, Dick Cheney now supports gay marriage. Freedom means freedom for everyone, and uh, uh, as many of you know, uh, one of my daughters is gay. 
and um, something that uh, that uh, we've lived with for a long time. The electroshock in, just in didn't work. Um, I think people ought to be free to enter into any kind of union they wish, uh, any kind of, of arrangement they wish. The question of whether or not there ought to be a federal statute that governs this um, uh, I don't support. Uh, I do believe that uh, historically the way marriage has been regulated is at the state level. This has always been a state issue. And um, I think that's the way it ought to be handled today. And uh, frankly, uh, I'm speaking to gay people now. If you're not going to get married, we're going to have to kill you. So just so you know. I feel kind of dirty inside because I kind of like Dick Cheney right now. I, here's the thing. No, it's like, I don't I, like I, Dick, I'm confused. I don't like Dick Cheney now. I've always liked Dick Cheney. And I was telling Lara this the other day because he was on, it was what, last week or two weeks ago when he was at that forum and, said, and uh, Barack Obama is a, uh, is a pinhead and uh, he will result in all of us being uh, bombed. And, uh, you know, where he, where he was giving that speech at the Freedom Forum or whatever, and he was, but he was going on and on about, about how Obama was all wrong about the, the torture thing. Um, the thing about Dick Cheney that I love is he just, he has, he doesn't do that stupid George Bush thing of like, you know, trying to be a man of the people and trying to please everybody and trying to be a uniter. Mm. You know what? I respect a guy who's just like, you know Let's what? kill uh, them all. No, he's just, you know, <laughs> and he, but you know, he, but he makes no false attempts at unity. Because Pat Buchanan said this thing. Pat Buchanan said, well, you know, everybody said elections are about bringing people together. He said, you know, that's wrong. An election is like you are dividing the house and you hope the larger side is with you. That's it. He's like, you can try to get everybody to vote for you. Not going to happen. So at the end, everybody divides and you hope that more people are on your side of the house. And that's Dick Cheney's thing is he has no illusion. He is a realist. He has no illusions that he's going to convince everybody or that everybody is, is going to come around to his way of thinking. Uh, so he's like, this is what I believe, and frankly, if you disagree, I'm probably going to have you put in a sack and have your bones broken. So enjoy that. Is that the end of our... That is the end of the Cheney Watch. I hey. think that's enough. <laughs> There's your Cheney Watch. I'll be back tomorrow with more outrageous <laughs> comments. Every time I see you look in my way, baby, baby, can't you hear my heart beat? Baby, baby, can't you hear my heart And can't you just see him walking through Guantanamo Bay, too, with a clipboard? All right, uh, look, uh, we're either going to have to torture you or just going to have to kill you right now. So uh, I'll be back in about five or ten seconds. He totally Please, reminds uh, me of the guy from B for Vendetta. Isn't that not so... <laughs> Mr. Creedy, isn't that right? Oh, you're not... Not, uh, not the... The beady guy. Uh, not so funny now. He's a funny man. That guy. Not not the prime minister. Uh, what's his name? Uh, John the Hurt. But, yeah, the... Um, yeah, the guy who comes in and they drag away what's his name and they stick him in a hole and No, I'm thinking of something else. <laughs> Your mind goes I don't to even dark know what places. I'm talking about. <laughs> it, you, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Keep you're talking, talking about the, the, the guy that comes with the bl- the with guy the that comes stick. with the nightstick and they drag away the T V producer. Yeah. Not so funny now, is it funny man? He kind of has that same um like stature about him. And he has that you know what here's the thing. It's like um Johnny Depp said this great thing about Keith Richards. He said Keith Richards is really charming and polite, the way the devil would have to be charming and polite. And that's Dick Cheney's thing, too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, you know, you don't see him yelling. You don't see him sort of like throwing stuff around or screaming or losing control. Here's what Dick Cheney would say. You would be in a room having an argument with him, and you'd be making your point really compellingly, and he would make his argument back and forth, you know, and you guys would, and you'd fail to find common ground. And Dick Cheney would say, well, all right, I can see that we're not going to have any sort of reprochment here or a detente on this issue. And so I, uh, I thank you for your time, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed your stay. And he shakes your hand, and he walks out, and as he's uh, walking out, he looks at one of his men, and he just says, hey, son, I have to go.
You know, and then and then after, and then it's like when you're in the bed. That's when you, they're putting you in the back of the car and they're dumping your body in the weeds somewhere. Here's Tim Riley. Okay, we have time for one more. A former member of an Allegheny County state legislator's staff allegedly had computer chats with a teenage boy about dressing in animal costumes and having sex. Alan David Berlin worked in the Senate for about a decade, including the last several years, with Senator Jane Orley, who said Berlin was immediately and indefinitely suspended with no pay or benefits when she learned of the allegations. Let me understand this. So he was uh, he was having chats online trying to solicit sex uh, with an underage person. Yes. I'm assuming he worked for a Democrat. Mm-hmm. I was uh, oh, a Republican. No! <gasps> yeah. I cannot believe what I'm hearing. I'm shocked in the polls of the Republicans. Blowing my mind. Adding that Berlin has been fired. Berlin, 40 years old, leaving the chat name Alan Panda Bear. (laughs) And talked about various sex acts with the teen, including the idea of traveling to Harrisburg and having sex in the boy's backyard while his parents slept. Berlin is also accused of attempting to arrange a meeting between the boy and another adult and offered to uh, get them a hotel room if Berlin could take pictures of them having sex. And his name was what, Panda Bear? Uh, Alan Panda Bear. I'd like to lick the backs of your knees, Davey. The boy's parents uh, contacted authorities after finding sexually what? graphic messages on his computer. Investigators from Corbett's office found a wolf and cat type costume in Berlin's home. <laughs> so creepy. His bail set at $250,000. Is there is a, a photo of the costume? There is, yes. Oh, that's disturbing. Oh, wow. Uh, is that wearing a party hat? <laughs> well, of course, Sarah. I believe so, yes. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it was going to be a festive occasion. Okay. Well, well everybody have a good day. On that note, we want to thank CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, also Don Taylor from Cinematical, Dax Holt from TMZ, and Sid and Marty Croft. You owe them. So go see Land of the Lost with Will Ferrell uh, this weekend. Uh, we uh, want to thank, uh, well, I guess that's it. Okay. Uh, tomorrow, mystery guest, uh, as well as Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for Rock 101 KUFO. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones. Greg Nibbler of the Nibblonians at the front desk. Dave Zinn is the gatekeeper, the webmistress. Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds. And, of course, executive producer Christopher J. Paddock. Smells like the 90s is next with a good friend Buzz, followed by Court and Fatboy this afternoon, 3 to 7. We will see you all again uh, tomorrow morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so thank you for listening. It is June 2nd, 2009. That is the frequency, Kenneth. Be safe. See you all tomorrow now. Bye. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.